nothing that a Democrat has ever done is ethical. Yeah, that's a good point. Hello and welcome to episode number 178 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Monday, July 19th, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America just outside of Chirac where I'm hitting the deck because 56 people were shot 11 fatally over weekend festivities. And from America's left coast where freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Sounds like a song. Yeah, I, it, I may have picked that up somewhere. I, I may have plagiarized it. I may have made it up on my own. You never know. You need a really good mic boom arm and shy rack so you could just hit the ground and just bring the microphone down to the floor with you while the lead yes. is flying. And uh, just, just just be careful of what you call a boom in Chirac. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You get a big boom and you can either move your microphone or you can uh, cause massive amounts of carnage. But there is and I don't know exactly what this means i mean i did a little homework still couldn't really figure it out but a federal strike force is due to arrive in chicago next week to handle the crime what help out the rioters yeah i'm not sure that's it's like okay the the feds are sending them uh yeah i'm not sure who they're trying to help If if they will be trying to help the the cops whose numbers are dwindling the amount of cops who have retired or left is growing to a scary possibly they're just here to drive out all the privileged white people that may be the latest stats showed that the cops are now outnumbered 10 to 1 in chicago from gang members to police officers it was a scary number it's in one of the articles i will link to in the show notes but there was like 120,000 alleged gang members in the city of chicago so i mean that's a party I give it a, give it another year or two. And, uh, you know, with no cops, you're going to see law enforcement being done by the gang members at this point and be like, we're tired of us killing each other. So, uh, you know, it's, it's what happens when you, you lose your, your state sponsored policing is that eventually you end up with, with one criminal gang. will be like, you know, I would really prefer that you not kill each other over uh, in my territory. So if you kill each other, I'll kill you for it. Yeah. And, and that's the kind of brutal enforcement that goes on. I mean, Chicago becomes total Lord of the flies activity. And maybe we end up getting finally getting our socialist utopia. I think that's what they're going for. The latest news also, which somebody uh, linked to on no agenda social was that the new plan in Chicago will have mental health professionals responding to some 911 calls rather than the police and somebody and i wish i remember it was a great line somebody else responded with that's one way to get rid of mental health professionals yeah in Chicago. <laughs> I, See, I was I, gonna go with with mental health professional might be what what today's neutered police are yeah i don't know who wants that job when you don't, don't know what you're walking into i mean in chicago 
you could get shot as a fireman just responding to a call. So this concept that sending somebody unarmed, like a mental health professional, to a scene where if you get a 911 call in Chicago, usually it's not just somebody having a loud verbal argument. And I know I believe that. Yeah, I don't know. I- the safety it scares this me. happened a couple of weeks ago but I, I don't know if i ever told you about uh washington uh a new democrat law came out of olympia uh which I, stop me when this sounds familiar uh sets new standards for when police can use force on the suspect of a crime and those standards are now uh in, in probable cause instead of reasonable suspicion which means that in Washington state now, a, a cop is not allowed to draw a gun or taser on somebody that they have a, a reasonable suspicion of having committed a crime. If and unless the cop watched the crime in progress, if if I get mugged on the street and I turn the corner and go find a cop and the guy who mugged me walks by i can scream and point at it and say that's the guy who did it and unless the cop like unless the guy turns out his pockets willingly (laughs) and the cop finds my shit in his purse it's seattle um the cop can't do anything the cop can't stop him the cop can't it uh, congratulations we've we've just got a, a position where cops are not allowed to enforce laws anymore well right Because you take things that have happened, like the George Floyd incident, and you use that in order to make massive changes to incidents that normally would not have been covered by this. This, I mean, it's a pretty good rule that says, yeah, you might not want to put your knee on a guy's neck for nine minutes. That seems reasonable. The, you know, you know, 40 years ago, we might have called that common sense. Yes. You know, now it's well, because that happened. Now you can't chase criminals because bad things might happen. It's like, yeah, and and in in a a spectacular improvement over just trying to turn one city into a a liberal crime ridden shithole. um, This was a state law. So even in the places in Washington state where they still actually care about private property and personal rights and things like that. Uh, police officers in say Yakima are still not allowed to pursue suspects anymore. That, that would make it harder to, uh, to catch that, them. Wouldn't it? It's a very Inslee thing to do. I think. Yes. When the criminals I, know they won't be pursued. What do you think's going to happen? I got, Called out, by the way, by phone boy for not using the full name of our beloved governor, Jay fucking Inslee, uh, last show. And I remember when I said the name and I said J.F. Inslee. And the reason for it was I actually managed to get through the entire show without an F-bomb. Yes. And, you know, it is nice to be able to say you could listen to our show with the kids in the car, at least most of the time. So well, I'm, I'm not going to commit to that every show. But one of the things that occurred to me is uh, while I absolutely reserve the right to swear, I want no matter what, I want it to be my decision. Now, the, the easy way of, of you know, the easy way of interpreting I want it to be my decision is I don't want somebody else telling me I can't. You know, like phone boy saying you should, though, then you have to. Well, I, now, I don't want phone boy you saying to. Me, you're, but, a, you're a contrarian. So somebody saying you have to do that. 
then you'll never do it again. Well, yes, you absolutely are correct there. But there's another interpretation to that. And that is that if I can't help myself, then it's not my choice. And I need to prove to myself that I can that I, in in all things. And, and maybe this is just because I'm uh, uh, I don't know. You, you can call me crazy. You probably will. But I want it to be my choice. And I don't even want to I, I don't want to have not have the ability to not swear. Does that make sense? Yeah. And the gag and all that kind of stuff runs its course at some point to where it loses the punch when you do it every yes. time. So, so uh, I, anyway, I, I just thought it was interesting that I did, in fact, get called out for not swearing on a show where I was attempting to prove to myself that I could go a full show without swearing. Yeah. And once again, we want people to take this show seriously. I mean, we whoa, are. Whoa, whoa, whoa. When did that start? <laughs> episode one with the. We have some very, very deep topics we want to dive into. And I mean, it happens on podcasts and it's okay. And it's really, it is an interesting thing with some of these guys that are more news based that will drop some of the language now because they are podcasting rather than being on broadcast. And it does kind of, you know, stand out a little bit. And I understand both sides because I get the, we don't want to be censored. But I also understand the other side, which is if you really need to use that language, there are other ways to express that and also keep the show friendlier. You know, I don't want people to be driving with their kids in the car listening to this and then be like, you taught little Jimmy how to say, go fuck yourself. We have, in fact, received complaints of people saying, I really like Grumpy Old Benz, but I can't listen with my kids in the car. And uh, to that, of course, my first response is you need to be introducing your kids to things they're going to encounter in the real world. If you are shielding them from things at the moment that they leave you, they're going to encounter and be confused by you're not doing your job as a parent. So uh, let's maybe not be quite so hardcore about we can't let my kid hear certain words that they're going to hear anyway. That's uh, yes. However, teach them. It's not my job to teach your kid how to swear. That's your job. You're right. You can teach them. Don't do what these guys are doing. They're too. Yeah, see, we, yes, we will. We will serve as an object lesson for your kids. Exactly. There you go. And if not, you can just call nine one one and a mental health professional will arrive at your door to help you through any hard times you may be having. And I, what are you talking about? We are mental health professionals. Is that what we do here? On Grumpy well, Old we're Benz? getting paid for it. True. And we, you will can get live, live sessions with us. If you show up in the troll room at noagendastream.com when we do these shows live Monday and Friday at noon Eastern time, it's where all the cool kids and sometimes phone boy hang out. So try that. But I want to know how these, uh, 911 calls are going to go when they're sending a and it's a paramedic and a mental health professional and they're going to send this to like a domestic dispute and just to see how quickly this is going to turn bad. It's probably not going to be long. How many calls? Probably a handful, if that, before one of these mental health professionals and paramedics, you know, are either shot at, killed or at least abused in some way, shape or form. And then they realize why you have police officers. You know, I have no problem saying, well, send a mental health professional along with a cop, because if the person you encounter is armed, I mean, I know Chicago, there's nobody armed because the gun laws, there aren't any guns, right? We know this. This is very harsh, but you maybe want to have a cop there to aid in the situation 
And yes, I understand the phrase human shield. Yeah. And I get it. It costs more money to keep adding more people to these calls, but then everybody will be safer. If you or, send a, yeah, you could just send the cop and have the cop resolve the situation without having to worry about people's feelings. Well, I think we should just send the mayor. That should be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. That's going to trigger everyone. <laughs> yeah. Like what the hell are you doing here? Come on. Like, Oh God, it's an alien invasion. Yeah. But that's Chicago. It'll be interesting to see what happens with a federal I, team coming in. And considering this is being sent by Biden, you know, well, whoever's pulling Biden's strings and Biden is uh, just only concerned about the official people sent selling guns. So I just wonder, you know, all this, the federal force will show up and then go harass the people that are running gun shops in and around the Chicago area, because, you know, that's where all the gangbangers are getting their guns. They're walking into well, the I, store. I heard that all the guns in Chicago came from Indiana. Probably. You know, not only from Indiana, they came from a gun show in Indiana. Yes, a gun show. <laughs> using the loophole. The gun show loophole. Uh-huh. How many times do we hear about that? Well, it doesn't exist. Just like the, the real fine people scam with uh, Trump didn't actually ever happen. Those words were not what he said. And the left continues to lie about so many things because the media is so out of control and will not call them at anything or even worse. They will go along with it, which I thought it was interesting. There was an article about a rash of Trump books that are coming out because I guess, you know, even though everybody hated Donald Trump, everybody's writing a book about him now because, well, yeah, that's how they they made their their money for the last five years. Yes, he is a draw. There is no question about it. But there was a, a line in this article, which was a Washington Post story which made this whole thing really interesting because it was about something that was in a book from that uh the joint chief of staff general mark miley it said feared trump with part would participate in a coup to maintain power and that was so hot it in turn then triggered a nearly immediate follow-up report by cnn written by no fewer than five reporters which in turn then prompted the washington post to chase down the same nugget, which was kind of ironic, the article says, considering the book that produced the scoop was written by two Washington Post reporters and had already generated a prominent expert in the paper with a second one to come days later. Now, the line I thought was great, and this came from this whoever wrote this article in the Washington Post. We'll put a link in the show notes. It said, the media on media scramble, a kind of Russian nesting doll of reportage attested to both the impact of the antidote and the cultural heat of the new uh, syllabus of the Trump books. But it's like, that was the best way I've heard the media described it a long time. And it was very strange that it comes from somebody at the Washington post, that it is just the media reporting what other media outlets say the rushing, the Russian nesting doll is so perfect to explain what the I mainstream media that. is. It's I mean, this is a theme that's been on on no agenda for a long time is the idea that I mean, they talk about it in in terms of of like the CIA trying to justify things. But if you have the New York Times citing the Washington Post reported this and therefore it's true, then the WAPO goes back and says uh, our story has now been confirmed by the New York Times, then that's suddenly true, even if it was completely made up at the beginning. That's all you have to do is is cite sources and you, you got it. It 
yeah, it's, it's an apt description. And I'm not surprised at all that somebody from, uh, the, the Washington Post would, uh, it would come up with this. The only thing that they like to do more than sniping at their political enemies is sniping at their competition. Yeah. But this was just hilarious that the people who wrote the book were Washington Post people. They're like, Hey, where do we get this information? It's like, uh, you really don't follow what's going on in no, your organization. Yeah. Yeah. We found right. one, one nugget, one nugget builds and builds yes. and builds until and, it. And every time one of those nuggets arrives and creates a journalism shit storm, you'd think that maybe we could have avoided all this with a piece of toilet paper or something. Probably you would, you would have thought so. Uh, now I think the most interesting article and it has nothing to, well, it does kind of have to do with tech that I saw this week. Did you see how the people at the Olympics, you know, the ones running the show, how they're trying to keep the competitors from fornicating. Is, is this the the cardboard bed story? Yes. It's like, I, I, what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's going to take them approximately 21 seconds to look at this bed and go, yeah, we'll be sleeping on the floor. Well, we'll in fact, we'll be screwing on the floor too. Well, yeah, but you, you also have the most fit people on the planet. Who are not all light. Yeah, well, they're not all light, but you also, the ones that aren't light are strong, which means you yeah. probably don't even need a bed to do what you want to do. I mean, you got a wall, you got a whatever. You, you're, yeah. you know, uh, you, are you going to have dressers? Are you going to have well, any? Go, go ask any teenager in history. All you really need is a table. Yeah. You can have any chairs. I mean, what do you, is everything going to be made out of cardboard? I don't know how this whole thing's working and why this is uh, even I, a concern. For them. I, I mean, almost everything else to do with the Olympics is fake. Yeah. I don't have confirmation that the competition is particularly fake, although a lot of it's rigged. But I do know that all the pageantry is utter bullcrap these days. Yeah. Yeah. And no fans because of the covid now. I mean, I guess covid. Is- but, oh, I thought no fans because they managed to ruin it. Well, that may be too. But this is what happens, uh, you know, with the uh, just bad leadership bad planning they knew what was but really this is this was the one thing you figured out was cardboard beds that the weight of two people can't go on or they will collapse and it's like okay so say they they do that and the bed collapses are you not giving them a new one how is this gonna work (laughs) maybe you know Uh, maybe maybe the bed collapses and they they have something in there like uh you know some kind of rubber squeaky thing or something so that when the bed collapses it causes the the floor matron to come charging down and pound on the door are you having sex in there it'd be just like just like the old college dorm room yeah i mean yes and we understand that there is from reports a lot of fornicating at the olympics amongst the athletes good for them yeah I don't see the problem. Why is this a problem? Why is this even something that somebody needed to design a crappy bed in order to solve? I don't know. That's the uh, that's the question. And I get it. I, I mean, I, I, OK, so for the ones that are only 15 years old, I can see some desire to not want them to have sex. But the the vast majority of them are going to be uh, of consenting age. Why the hell is it the organizers business at all? I don't know. I don't quite understand it. Everybody, if they're like you said, if you're an adult, you should be responsible for yourself. They have much bigger things, I would think, to worry I, and about. I think, I think Servo in the troll room is recommending that we just put cameras in the rooms so that it's <laughs> it's 
part of the spectacle you know, to uh, see people collapse their bed in in a an orgy of some kind. And I would say for some of these athletes, if they're very serious about their craft, I mean, they may have foregone sex for a certain amount of years while they were just getting ready, or at least months. Why, why would you even? And okay. then and then once they've competed, they're like, okay, I'm ready now, man. Okay, as as an old fat dude, let me just uh, assure you that sex is a form of exercise. It is, but what if you accidentally, you know, pulled a hammy or something the night before you're going out? Well, for then gold. hope it's hers. You're right. Hopefully, yeah. No, be, just practice safe sex. Literally, make sure you warm up first. Uh, we know that last yeah. the last I mean, Olympics, the big maybe, thing was the maybe condoms. Use prudence and and limit your positions. None of the like hey, sex oh, but, during but, yoga but positions. Only might be a, only if prudence wants to be used. I, yeah, if she if she consents and she's of age, I'm fine with it. Yeah. The Olympics, baby. It's going to be interesting. Drudge had the uh, Olympic rings, the symbol everybody knows, but made out of COVID little things. So that's, uh, oh, geez. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a great news story. So, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's not really, really is. not really. It's pretty damn stale by now. And COVID is still everywhere in the news. I saw on uh, No Agenda Social a guy complaining, which Adam was taking umbrage to Adam Curry of the No Agenda podcast. He's like, we give what the media gives us because they are a media deconstruction show, which is a little different than what we do. Yeah. And COVID is still everywhere in the news, which I, is I interesting. I, I, I don't follow the news, but I still follow no agenda. And at this point, they're wall to wall, nothing but COVID coverage, which I understand is driven by the news. But I I feel like I'm experiencing my four hours of hate twice a week now. <laughs> I, it just, it, I, it, all of the clips that they bring about people outright lying about what's going on in the world and trying to overtly and transparently manipulate you and uh, screw you over. And I, it, it just makes me froth and I need, I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily, I'm not really in a position where I can, take a break from no agenda because i i do help produce the show on the back end but man sometimes i'm like okay time to turn off the live stream and go you know stare at some fluffy bunnies or something well and again the question comes down to this russian nesting doll which i don't know if everybody in the media is lying i know some are but a lot of them they're looking around and going wow this is the news this is what we believe and one little story again there may be a little bit of truth to something, or maybe there's truth to some little story. There was a uh, a story on, what was it, out WMD you, you know, or something. Four years ago, I might have even believed that about the media, that they would always have some bit of truth. It may be further down the rabbit hole, but that, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the where I'm getting. And even the conservative outlets are just as bad as the liberal outlets, which is also oh, yeah. concerning. Uh, yeah, they, they, it's sensationalist sells to people on the right just as well as it does to the people on the left. Yes. And there was a story, I think it was on WMD about the vaccines and their story was how the vaccine had killed more people than the virus over the last two weeks, because that's what the VAERS database says. And it's like, again, one, that's just being reported. Nothing in the VAERS database has been confirmed. As of yet. So saying that this confirms or this proves, no. If you're a legitimate well, journalist, you say this suggests that this may yes. be the case. 
uh, yes, I will definitely go. I mean, g- given what I understand about, uh, you know, variants being less lethal than the original and how the, the it's the middle of summer in the northern hemisphere when classically people don't get colds and flus. Um, I I would even believe if if you were certain that there was more injury from vaccines than virus in the last two weeks. Yes. But that is almost impossible to confirm. Yes. And, and, and trying to present certainty in a news story is, is ridiculous and, and moronic at best and outright uh, propaganda and lying more likely. Yes. And that's what people need to understand about the news. And this is why words do mean things, which is why it's sad that words are either morphing into new definitions just to fit what one side wants or people are just forgetting what words mean overall. And it's like, I don't know the minute I see a story like that on a news site, I go mental note, never go back to the site, never trust anything because this is not real journalism. This is yeah, propaganda. You know, I, I, I started doing that in about 2002. Oh, what are you left making with? mental notes about every time somebody did something completely retarded on the internet? I wouldn't go back to their site. And now you're, you see where I am now. I don't use the internet. I, I <laughs> you're a Luddite. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying there are dangers to, to completely writing off a site just because they're constantly lying to you. Well, constantly lying. At, at some a good point, idea. you realize everybody is constantly lying to you and. You just go live in a cabin in the woods with Dr. Ted. Welcome to the Matrix, man. Get off the Matrix. <laughs> the only winning move is do not play in the Matrix. And the main media story that I saw this week talks about something that we covered extensively. And I don't know if you've seen any of the coverage are, yet of the wait, brand new. Are, yeah. Oh, I, I was just going to say, I, I know that no agenda is currently. I mean, they've been. They've been moving like no agenda is moving at 1.2 X speed with regards to the news, because the amount of time ahead of time that they call stories is expanding. And now it's getting to the point where they're they're calling a story about a year before it actually becomes news. And I'm wondering if we're falling into the same problem where we're starting to call stories before they become stories. Well, we did because we talked about the deep fakes and I did a lot of this over on random thoughts, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was that was a year ago you started the, with the deep fakes on random thoughts. And I said this was going to cause an issue and a brand new documentary put out by CNN about the late great Anthony Bourdain. And I enjoyed the content he would make. He seemed to be a guy, even though obviously didn't agree 100% with his political views, he was one of those guys who wanted to sit down and talk to everybody and could sit down and talk to everybody. So it didn't matter that he was at heart a liberal. He would sit down and talk with Ted Nugent. He would sit down and talk with Barack Obama. He would sit down and talk with anybody in between. And I appreciated that about Anthony Bourdain. And they, Uh, yes, in this documentary. Now, the hubbub about this is, you know, one, it seemed from what I've read to be a little bit of a hit piece about his you know, the people working with him that didn't maybe like him, but that's one aspect of this. The main one is that the people that produced this documentary, again, this is CNN produced, wanted to get some lines that Anthony Bourdain had written, mainly in emails, I believe, 
But, you know, just showing something on the screen and having somebody else read that, that's no bueno. That doesn't give you the gut punch. You want to hear it in Anthony Bourdain's voice. So they used one of these services. They gave the service hundreds of hours of Bourdain's audio of him speaking, and they created a Bourdain AI, and they used that to reproduce some of the lines in the documentary. And that is really angering a lot of people, including Anthony Bourdain's widow, who said she didn't sign off on this. She knows that this would not be something he would be cool with. One of the guys that worked with him that he had written some scripts for, he said Anthony Bourdain was very, very careful about what he said. And when he did say something, he was also concerned with how he said it, the inflection of his voice and all this. He was a perfectionist when it came to that. And he said there is no way the late Anthony Bourdain would have been cool with the CNN folks taking his words and faking them up using a uh, AI. But this is just the start of this. And I don't know what more we can tell people, except if you think that you can believe what you're hearing because it sounds like somebody, you know, it sounds like, well, Donald Trump, or it sounds like Anthony Bourdain. No, you can't. And you might now with video, you can't believe what you see. You can't believe what you hear. You can't believe what you read. So, hey, what can you believe? Grumpy old Ben's. Of course. Well, there's there's that. OK, let me tell you where the first place my mind went while you were talking there, because it's ridiculous and and it entertained me and I'm still chuckling over it internally. And or I could just not tell you and leave you with that spoiler because that would be delicious. <laughs> but um, you 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 said that at one point they created an Anthony Bourdain AI. And the place that I went was all the sci fi stories I've read about how. You know, AIs demand sentience and or the rights and and they're, you know, AIs are people, too. And just thinking what kind of a sci fi story you could create around the idea of, uh, you know, yes, little Jimmy, we you know, we created you. Oh, what was I created for? We created you to be an Anthony Bourdain AI. <laughs> right. No, we needed you to read a line in a script. Yeah. You you were created for exactly one line, and therefore we gave you the spark of life, and now we don't need you anymore, so we're going to extinguish it. This I told is, you it was ridiculous. Yeah, well, this this kind of AI, this kind of tool, I understand how it could be very useful. We've talked to people that have used it for podcasts, and if you are somebody that goes back like the NPR-type podcast, and you want to make sure every last word is perfect, or maybe you said something incorrectly in a show and you said the wrong word, you could go back without having to re-record the audio. You could simply take the transcript and edit out the word via text and go, oh, wait, no, I said running, I meant jumping. So you find running and you go, oh, no, and you change that to jumping, and it automatically just makes it sound like your voice is saying that word. And I mean, this is sort of what every YouTuber does when they open up audacity and edit every video to within a quarter inch of its life. 
Yes. It, I mean, you know, at some point the jump cuts are going to be interspersed with, with sections that were never even recorded at one point, at some point, the, the really successful YouTuber is going to be like, here, make me an AI trained on every video I've ever done. Okay. Now here's approximately the theme of what I want to write. Go make me a video. Right. Why? Right. Why continue to do the content yourself when you could just train an AI model to do it? And every single day we get closer and closer to the reality that is Max Headroom. Yeah. And I don't like, I mean, I like that somebody can have this ability to do it with their own voice. The fact that you can hijack somebody's voice is a whole new story. We had a story a few months back about some voice talent that was being fooled because somebody put the script that one of these services used up in a uh, you know, for something uh, that they were paying people to read. They're like, oh, this is for a sci-fi thing or something. So read this. And then once the person read that, well, then they had a digitized copy of their voice. So they didn't need them anymore if they wanted to, you know, to use the AI rather than using the real person. And that is dangerous. In this case, this is the worst case scenario. Things we've talked about, which is uh, for celebritards or for politicians, the type of person that can say something and it could immediately trigger massive reactions around the world. This is very dangerous that somebody could now be able to, I mean, imagine if somebody had a Trump AI and released the, Oh, go attack the Capitol building. Well, then what happens? You know, people I, are like, Oh, well, we, well, Trump said it. I, I don't even know how much you need an AI for that. A part of that is the, the problem with society that every time somebody says something that massive quantities of people are just immediately triggered around the world. You don't need, uh, you don't need to fake Trump. If, if the last five years told you anything, you don't need to fake. You don't need a Trump AI because all you need to do is wait for him to say something. Now, with somebody like Anthony Bourdain, who might have been a lot more careful about what they say, you might have to fake up something controversial. But uh, I'm just saying like people like Trump, like Biden, uh, you don't need to fake them. You just wait for them to say something real. And well, yeah. and if there's one thing that news outlets are really good at it's it's take whatever was said strip all meaning from it apply and attach a new meaning to it and then push it and and gaslight like you're a dog with a bone they won't give up right well it was like the one story that no agenda covered where john c dvorak and adam curry heard what biden said completely differently where about whether he was blaming facebook for the deaths of people due to the misinformation and it's like when I heard it, I didn't pick that up. I thought he was just blaming the people who weren't vaccinated. But it proved once again, especially if you clip something and take it even a little bit out of context or you miss a little bit of what happened before or a little bit of what happened after, you can really change the meaning of the words that you hear. You don't have to go and totally make something up like they did here, but you don't have to modify it or change the context at all. You you know, a few, a few dips into the uh, morass that is YouTube comments and, uh, you know, don't, don't do too many. You want to keep your sanity, but it doesn't take long to realize that uh, uh, two people can watch exactly the same video and get completely different meaning out of it. it. It just people. I, we we have got to a point where it, depending on which direction you've been brainwashed, you can watch 
a, a speech from a politician and one person's like, oh, he said that we should kill all white people. And the other person is saying, no, actually, he said we should defund the cops or whatever, whatever it is that you decide what, what people bring their bias into what they're reading and don't listen anymore. And we've we trained everybody to do that based on the, the soundbite media where news stories these days is a a one and a half second clip of somebody talking taken out of context followed by some overly made up talking head telling you exactly what and how to think about it and and that's how people learn to analyze information it's no wonder that you can you can believe anything you want well yeah that's what happens with the TikTok mentality, which is little five, 10, 15 second videos, one after the other. And uh, so, I don't, I don't, I, I understand why the attention span of, the I guess children. what I'm saying is, is we don't need AI to screw with our brains. We're doing a fine job of it. AI is just going to be yet another tool in the toolbox. Well, and it's going to be way more effective because of the way we've consumed media now, which is you don't need to make a whole hour long Joe Biden speech. To make it seem realistic, you could just post a five second clip of something and people are like, oh, well, that's normal. People- well, admittedly, any five seconds of out of a Joe Biden speech probably has a gaffe in it. Yeah, well, that's so possible. That's, that's why that's all the meaning you need. In the troll room, Bully Steed said the, this audio AI is exactly what we need for Joe Biden. It's like, you know what? You're right, because that might be the only way that he can sound lucid. If, if Joe starts doing radio only for a while and no TV. If, if Joe goes up on TV and starts using full sentences and making coherent points, we're all going to know that there it's not really him and wonder if maybe he died in the, the West Wing somewhere and they're just trying to cover it up so they don't get Kamala. He's just trying to hit, figure out how to get out of the basement. That might be. That's my like, guess. No, Paul, Paul, Joe. No, no, you just need some hair to sniff and he will be right back on his game. I tell you, the one place I am worried, though, is uh, we have listeners to this show who are very good at making AI. And how long is it going to be before there's an AI that goes out and grabs whatever story is at the top of Hacker News or Bleeping Computer and then rants about it incoherently for 20 minutes and then repeat that six times a show? And and suddenly we're out of a job. Thomas Drip Blogger is no doubt already working on that at cooking.ai. I, I mean, I hope so or for AI. the purpose of, of seeing really cool tech. But at the same time, uh, if if you do, at least, you know, at least pay us royalties for the idea. Right. Or if you're going to use one of our voices, you know, that would be cool, too. But that would be even the weirder thing. I don't know if anybody. I mean, I guess it's a paid gig and actors will do a lot of stuff anyway. But it would just be so weird. I mean, if if Anthony Bourdain was still around and heard this, it's like you'd be like, what the hell, man? That, you know, I never said that. Or that would just be a very out of body experience, knowing that something that is very personal, you know, it would just be very strange if somebody took, you know, the voice of Rush Limbaugh and start talking about current events. It would be very disconcerting. But I think we are moving in that direction. and. I don't know you. You've said it a bunch of times on Grumpy Old Ben's. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. Once the tech is there, it's there. Now, technology is incredibly difficult to uninvent. Yes. Okay. This is going to sound a little out of the loop here now, that, especially now that we've just talked about him for the last 15 minutes. But uh, who's Anthony Bourdain? 
You don't know who Anthony Bourdain is? Well, really? okay. What I don't know is what he did to get his his uh, celebrity status. Uh, he started out as a chef who was. Oh, I mean, okay. That makes sense. He did. Okay. I consider cooking shows to be marginally more entertaining than watching somebody fish or watching <laughs> golf. But he never did a cooking show. He oh, was okay. a chef in New York. And what made him famous was he published an article which basically exposed what the kitchen experience was like. And he used language that we couldn't even dream of. I mean, you think you swear Bourdain was a pro. I do think I swear. He was, uh, but he was very entertaining at it. And Ah. he ended up publishing a book called Kitchen Confidential. So he was, he was one of those not nice bosses. He was, uh, I think he was nice, but the, the best chefs around are very straightforward. They don't, uh, they don't sugarcoat anything except maybe their desserts. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like think not quite as unhinged as Gordon Ramsay. I mean, everybody I think has seen the Gordon Ramsay show where he Who's gets Gordon a, Ramsay, another chef. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you, okay. We, now we all understand that Ryan is not big into the cooking, uh, genre and community. So we need to, uh, we need to get him caught up, but, Anthony Bourdain became famous, not for doing cooking shows, but again, for what he wrote and the shows that he did, he would travel around the world and he would try different food in that. And he would go places. I mean, he was in, I think it was Lebanon when the war, war started. And I mean, it was just some riveting television or he would go places and he seems to have escaped then. Yes, he did until the whole uh, Shantix thing, which, of course, is oh. also being pointed out in the troll room that uh, the ads for Shantix have really gone away ever since Bourdain killed himself. But uh, <laughs> imagine that. Yes. Well, it, OK, just to be clear, wasn't Shantix the dry like it came out in about 2012, 2013, and it was a stop smoking drug that turned you into a complete raving psycho? I believe so. Yes, I think that kind of and, allegedly. And, and apparently, the newest story to come out is that uh, Pfizer, who makes Shantix, what a surprise! It's Pfizer. Hey, they got to uh, make Shantix. money somewhere. Uh, yeah, because Viagra and and this new mutation drug that they're creating for COVID aren't enough. Um, I, I, yeah, f- apparently Pfizer has decided that they uh, they don't have all of the raw materials enough to. Uh, make Shantix without putting carcinogens in. And so they told the FDA they wouldn't be able to make enough. And the FDA said, Hey, no, it's cool. We'll go ahead and just change the rules for you. And now Shantix has uh, a much higher percentage of chemicals known to the state of California to cause cancer. I mean, to be fair, everything in the state of California well, this is causes true. cancer. Yes. Including Pfizer. But uh, I guess now, so your your stop smoking drug, you stop smoking because you don't want lung cancer. So you take a drug that gives you cancer. That makes sense. Oh, and also, by the way, turns you into a, a psychotic. Yeah, the small amount of impurities in a batch wouldn't concern me as much as the could make you suicidal. That part. Yes, <laughs> that part seems a lot more imminent, a lot faster acting and uh, well, a lot it, more concerning. If I recall the stories that came out and were promptly hushed, because even back then, companies like Pfizer owned the news media, 
uh, were uh, used words like uh, uh, increased aggressiveness and, uh, you know, tendency to flip out or uh, yeah, it, it just it, it it was very much the opposite of the calm down drugs. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to be aware of these things and uh, yeah, you want to stop smoking, take meth. Right. <laughs> that's one way to do it. Take uh, take the fentanyl. There's one. That's a quick way to stop doing everything else bad for you. I mean, yes, yes. You'll, you'll be dead. You but, take enough. It's yeah, it's a quick way to stop doing everything. Uh huh. So, uh, I mean, I think Bourdain, you would like if you checked out his stuff because he has a very Bemrose. I don't give a crap quality. And uh, I think you would part of the reason that. I'm like that is because I respect that. If I am receiving direction from somebody, I don't want a bunch of flowery language. I don't want somebody dancing around trying to decide if my feelings. I, I I want clear indication of what you expect from me and what is necessary in order to accomplish what's laid out in front of me. And if you can give me that, then everything else you say doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, there's there's something to be said about being honest and straightforward and not overly flowerly nice, as you said. And I think. The current generation needs a lot more of that to realize that the world is not what they believe it is. And this, oh, we could just we, we can make everything this utopia. There was one of these uh, Black I mean, Lives it, Matter it, women yeah, who said that Cuba is something we should look at because they are one of the best countries when it comes to the equality of their citizens across the board. And it's like. <laughs> Do you not know the equality means they are all poor? They all don't yeah. have food. They are all miserable. But you know what? They're all the they're same. All rioting. Yeah. They're all the same, though. So that is why they think it's great. And this is where the mental illness of these people really stems from, that but they will if, celebrate if may, that. If I may be allowed to do my my standard GOB thing of completely stereotyping and ragging on an entire generation of people, uh, when you raise a, a large group of people and tell them that their feelings matter, but that math is racist and it doesn't matter whether you get the right answer as long as you feel good about it and that feelings are the only important thing, then how can you be surprised if they freak out and lose their freaking minds? the moment that you do something that might hurt their feelings. I I think the world needs a lot more Anthony Bourdain's. Yeah. Straightforward honesty. You know, that would Anthony Bourdain have given a crap if, if some reporter lost their mind because you put a P in the word hamster? No, probably not. Uh, um, now, if you, if you accidentally screwed up one of his dishes, maybe uh, that would have, but, a harsh reality is good to point out the pushing things onto people that are total fantasy rather than the reality. I don't think that helps anybody. I mean, I don't mean you should be like pounding your kids from the time they're born that the world sucks. But, you know, at well, some point, especially depending on what you mean by pounding, how about right, no? Right. But by some point, you have to do something to prepare them for the world that they're going out into. And this concept that this is not a competition, I don't care where you live, life is a competition. That is never going to change. You are competing with other people for things. You are competing with other people for dates, for who you want to date. You're competing with other people in some of these countries just trying to get a couple slices of bread so you don't die. 
And that is the harsh reality of things to have a whole generation grow up where it's like, no, everything's fine. We'll give you a safe space. Everything will always be peachy. Doesn't do them any good. Does not do them any good. There's a lot of people out there who are, uh, who make a lot of bones about you should never discipline children. And, and it is obviously a failure mode of parenting. If you hit your kid every single day, because that's well, it's, it's not only abusive, but it's also counterproductive. Um, I was just thinking back to, uh, my dad, he would spank me once in a while if I just straight up needed it. But the vast majority of why I wanted to follow my dad's rules, such as I did, which was not very much, I'm still me, was the fact that I did have some respect for my father. And it, it, all he needed really to do was if I did something wrong, all he needed to do was judge me. He'd be like, I'm disappointed. I'm like, God damn it. And, and it got me thinking, and I, I'm not exactly sure where the point is in here, but if you are doing your parenting right, you don't have to hit them. You don't have to discipline them. What you have to do is make, do, do your parenting such that your kids respect you and they'll care what you think. And you don't, I, I don't know if your kids have so little respect for you that you have to hit them all the time. You already screwed up. Yeah, pretty much. I don't know. I, I, I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just I'm I'm not even a parent. And and I sitting here, of course, you know, I'm judging all the other parents who are terrible at it because, uh, well, because look at your kids because it's easy. There's a yes. lot of things to point out. There is, uh, you know, again, life's a competition. That's the bottom line. If you want your kids to succeed, you have to teach them that you can be ethical. I mean, you can not be a total dick, but you need to stand up for yourself. You need to go after what you want. And you cannot just lay back and be like, well, the government or whoever will provide me with everything I need. That attitude will not get you. That is is the worst possible attitude. Yes. It's it's an asymmetric relationship. You become dependent on the government, but there is absolutely nothing that makes the government care about whether or not you exist. And and that is a form of abusive relationship. In fact, there are so many people that it would be counterproductive for anyone in the government to care whether you exist. It's not it shouldn't be their job because they are physically in they are mentally incapable of caring about that many people. It's why we create, you know. <laughs> I had a discussion a while back with a socialist where I'm like, uh, government doesn't scale to that many people. And he said, well, obviously you do it hierarchically. So you have, uh, you know, individual state governments and then you have county, local city governments. And, and then you get, and I'm like, okay, if we're really going to go hierarchical all the way down to the individual level of having somebody care about you, we kind of already have that. It's called parents and you're trying to destroy it. Yes. We have families that families we have families uh, are a hierarchical structure where you have a group of people who cares whether you exist governments aren't that they can't be yeah and you hear the stories of how you can't get the money from the government if there's a father in the house and this is a huge reason why there was uh such a hit that, to, that was such an evil move yes was, was, was it nixon that did that i think so I I mean, it was around that era yeah it was so evil and it's like you wonder why there's a lot of families that don't have a father around that's a big part of it i mean it's cultural 
There's no question with that either. And, you know, everybody will say, oh, well, it's racist for you to bring that up. It's like, well, it's true. So it's not really. I mean, you want to say it is because you're afraid of the truth. But the reality is it doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter, you know, what gender you are. If you are somebody that will educate yourself, get educated in one way, shape or form. I do believe that college has always been a bit of a scam. But you can educate yourself in a variety of ways and do something that can earn you a living. And in this time, there are so many things you can do. I mean, I'm afraid for the people who think they can make a living on the TikToks or the YouTubes because they could be pulled from them. Well, they'll they'll learn. Yes. And those people can easily, I think, if you can if you can figure out how to monetize TikTok, you could be successful doing a lot of different things. There's no so, question there. I can tell from the troll room that I've definitely touched the third rail by purporting to tell people how to raise their kids. Oh, good. good. So, Ryan at grumpyoldbenz.com. Maybe we should do a tech story. Well, another one we were at the uh, forefront of was El Salvador. Remember, El Salvador said, hey, Bitcoin, it'd be good. I mean, I, I do remember that El Salvador is a thing. They said I haven't that, been there. Yeah, they said it in Spanish, I'm sure. But Bitcoin be good. They are quickly now, it seems, uh, quickly indeed, uh, going over to a, just a little bit of a different uh, track because it now appears that El Salvador is gearing up to launch by the end of this year their very own stable coin. Which <laughs> this is, is, is it pegged to the dollar? You know, whatever it's pegged to, it did not say. But, you know, whether well, it's pegged it, to... It would have to be the dollar because the, the El Salvador official currency is the u.s dollar that makes sense then it would have to be it would have to be pegged to the u.s dollar a stable coin because i think they're already seeing what we pointed out when this whole thing started i think when the el salvador thing started uh bitcoin was at like what 45 or fifty thousand, you know and now it's 30 i mean it's going down again over the last couple of days pretty uh pretty significantly and i think the worst thing you could possibly do when trying to get a poor country, get the their citizenship to get behind something like this, the worst, I mean, it's great. If you have a dollar in your wallet today and Bitcoin goes up and you have $2 tomorrow, that's fantastic. But when you have a dollar in your wallet today and you have 50 cents in it tomorrow, the people yeah. aren't going to do that. Or, or you have a dollar in your wallet and you go to hand that dollar to somebody and now it's suddenly worth 75 cents and they ask for more. Surprise. And, yeah. <laughs> I, I I do want I, I do appreciate uh, your your fantastic segue where we moved away from the third rail of parenting and decided <laughs> to start licking the third rail of, of criticizing Bitcoin, because what you said, exactly what we called where uh, people are becoming unsatisfied with the arbitrage. I was assured by a Bitcoin zealot on No Agenda Social that the arbitrage was a feature and we should embrace it. Right. Not so much. Not so much. I. I I, it, some people value stability, you know, in the ability of uh, whether or not they're going to be able to pay their rent or or eat. Yeah. And this is exactly what we said. If, if anyone was ever going to have a crypto that was going to be used for day to day things, for buying a burger, for buying a Coke down at the local, you know, 7-Eleven, whatever you got in El Salvador, that, that would be what uno, dos, tres, you know, whatever that's 7-Eleven. Um, Do I look Spanish to you? <laughs> I can't see you, and I am thankful for that each and every day. I am concerned 
that the name of their stable coin appears to be the colon dollar (laughs) (laughs) c-o-l-o-n I mean, okay, I'm sure that's a name. So where do you suppose they pulled that one out of? (laughs) Of their, yeah, exactly. They pulled it right out of their colon. It's like, do you you know what that means in English? I mean, the the cologne, I mean, I I know that there are, you know, like Bartolo Cologne, one of the greatest pitchers of all time in Major League Baseball, now pitching in the Mexican League. But uh, yeah, the colon dollar just has a very weird uh, sound to it. But this is the concept being a stable coin. This is what you need. For people to use this on a day-to-day basis, it has to be stable. It has to be something that they're not confused about how much money that they have and that doesn't change drastically from day-to-day. I understand a lot of the cryptos want to be stores of value and places where people go to speculate. That's absolutely fine. But that's never going to be where people want to be in order to do their day-to-day stuff. I mean, Bitcoin, again, down to like $30,000 now, it was up to 65000 For everybody that bought some Bitcoin at $65,000, not really happy with the concept. Now, if you bought Bitcoin at like you know $7,000, you're still pretty happy, but there's a big difference yeah. on the, and, the and concepts. If you mined uh, three dozen Bitcoins in 2014, you're probably okay with it. Yeah. I saw, saw an interesting stat that said there, there are, uh, 50 or so Bitcoin addresses that control 88% of all Bitcoins, something like that. Yeah, uh, just, just in case you thought that this was some proletariat thing that would allow you, the masses to finally toss off the yokes of the, the wealthy elite Wall Streeters. Well, you, you, congratulations. You just created a new wealthy elite. Yeah. Well, you're absolutely right. And by the way, they're the people who are making all the money on Bitcoin, not because of the increase, although that's part of it, but because whenever you go decide to spend one Bitcoin and the person on the other end receives 0.62 Bitcoins because the rest of it all went to fees, who do you think is getting those fees? You're making the rich richer. Well, and just with the price swings, when the whole Dogecoin thing was happening, I said that here in Grumpy Old Benz. It's like, For everybody that's sitting in their basement going, yeah, I just made $5,000 overnight. There's somebody in a a multi-million dollar penthouse somewhere going, hey, I just made 50 million overnight. Not all of them are in penthouse. Some of them are sitting in their basement going, hey, I just made 500 million overnight. Yeah, true. (laughs) True. I mean, it's a nicer basement, though. Yeah. Yes. They they have a, a foosball table. You know, and there was, uh, you know, it was an interesting story there too that the, uh, the estate of McAfee, John McAfee is now very much in question that some people believe he died pretty much penniless, which adds a whole different aspect. Some people to believe the story. he died. Yeah. Some people believe he died, which I'm still not sure of that he put a lot of it into real estate and then sold it when real estate crashed, which is kind of sad because if he had the real estate now, Prices are through the roof, but that's all another uh, that's all another rabbit hole that we can go down this. uh, The crypto thing I'm intrigued by, but this is very concerning that a government like El Salvador, who we were just like, hey, this is great. They're going to take Bitcoin. This is showing Bitcoin is getting some massive amount of traction that more people might do this. And you're seeing just weeks later, they're going, yeah, okay, the Bitcoin thing was great. But we need our own stable coin. That tells well, me it, Bitcoin's got problems. 
Anytime that you are trying to create a, a large system like this, the, the phrase, the devil's in the details, it's, it's always the fine details that will mess you up. And if there's one thing that we recognized immediately with this El Salvador policy, with the new legislation to make Bitcoin official, it's that the details were extremely scarce. Yes. And I, it, what it looks like is, is some of those details have turned around and said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to just kind of bite you in the butt now. Yeah. And, you know, again, explain to your citizenry why their money isn't worth today what it was worth yesterday. I mean, it's hard enough to grasp if you're into the whole crypto thing. If you're, if you were just sold on this, if you're somebody that was paying no attention to Bitcoin even being a thing. And all of a sudden, somebody's like, oh, here's the new money. You'd be like, this is stupid. No, this is just it just yeah. exists on my phone. What? I don't I don't get it. And and as usual, we've got people pointing out that uh, the U.S. dollar is also inherently unstable. And uh, that's true. But the stability is not a problem when you only have one currency. The stability is a problem when you have more than one currency and they are fluctuating relative to each other. Which is why, uh, well, among other things, a stable coin might be the solution to the first big problem they ran into in El Salvador, which is that Bitcoin and U.S. dollars are fluctuating wildly against each other. And you cannot adopt both as an official currency without creating a a, a hell of uh, arbitrage and and people uh, scamming other people. And, you know, like, how how often do you. Go and deposit a check into your bank. Okay, well, most people don't know what a check is anymore. But <laughs> have you ever deposited a check into your bank and they're like, we have a mandatory hold for a few days. And you look and, uh, you know, the few days might be shorter or longer, depending on exactly when the right time is to maximize the interest for the bank. Yeah, or depending on what bank it is, you know, and how long it takes them to process these. It's gotten faster now that the system is almost all electronic but yeah i mean it's still yeah. a thing yeah yeah no now that now that the system is all electronic and they charge atm fees for the convenience of not having to talk to a human and pay yeah yeah and did i mention in this el salvador thing that the two guys running this uh, new stable coin are the brothers of the president of el salvador i mean there's nothing to see there either Oh, there's the, you know, there's nothing like a little nepotism to make everything a little better. Again, greases the wheels of corruption. Yeah, I wonder. I, I mean, they're probably not in this to make a lot of money on the backs of the people of El Salvador. But, you know, we'll, we'll watch it. No, see how it goes. No. And I'm sure glad that I live in a society where our public servants are are honorable and aren't out to make money on the backs <laughs> of the you know, wait, wait, which country do I live in again? Yeah, I just saw something again about how much money nancy pelosi has made over the last couple of decades and it is insane there there are angel investors who cannot possibly make that much money by picking silicon valley winners back to back it is insane that this kind of stuff is not looked into i think we could really increase the level of people who actually want to do the job and are not corrupt if you made it so you could not profit upon what you're doing I mean, it gets hard because then you know what do you do with spouses or brothers or children i mean there's always a loophole around it which you throw them all in jail in the case of pelosi that 
would that be a bad idea? How about the case of Hunter Biden and anonymous yeah. people buying his art for a half a million dollars a piece? Or was it one of 500 million? That's whatever it is such a. Yeah. I mean, OK, look, another gen- story of generic unspecified corruption on account on the Biden family. Yeah. Where have we heard this before? Well, uh, certainly not on, uh, you know, any the New York Post or anywhere, but pay no attention to what's going on. Hunter Biden is an artist now. Like, yeah, something like that. Well, he was an oil company exec before that. I mean, dude has been in a bunch of careers. He may be better at being an artist than he has been at the other things. Uh, before we totally jump off the crypto horse here or the crypto oh my God, pony. I'm, I'm, I'm crouched. I'm ready to jump. Go. You should be. The co-founder of Ethereum is citing safety concerns and says he is quitting the crypto industry. I guess death threats are a thing with this which it's some people take this stuff a little too seriously yeah well there's billions of dollars at stake and he said he's had personal security uh personal security team since 2017 and uh i can see that would get to be very very much not fun to not be able to live your life and uh it, you know just be at the you know just scared to go out all the time because oh somebody may uh somebody may take a shot at you which i mean this this is true about anybody that's in the public eye, but this is, uh, you know, this is concerning with this kind of stuff. It's like when you have any kind of pull, you know, we talked about the Ethereum trying to change the way that they, you know, their coin works from the proof of work to the proof of stake. Um, did, did we talk about that? We didn't. I thought we did. If not, we should. Well, I, I, I mentioned it on Friday that I had a story lined up for it, but oh, I don't right. think we got to it on Friday. That's right. Did you do more research into that? I mean, was there any more that came out on this? Uh, I, I did, but I'm still not, I'm not convinced I have my head around it, but uh, the short version, it, it looks like Ethereum is going to be uh, forked. Uh, the, the phrase hard fork gets thrown around a little too much and not just in porno circles. But uh, it, it looks like there's going to be an Ethereum fork and the main people driving it are trying to move away from proof of work because it's not green. And I oh, no, didn't you hear all the people telling us it didn't. The power usage was a feature that was we love the power use. I have been told that the power usage is a feature uh, that it is. Uh, somehow beneficial to society that it wastes a ridiculous amount of power. I've also been told that the power is basically free because all Bitcoin mining is done in, in, in uh, uh, containers right. in wind farms and, and in oil farms where the natural gas would just be flared off and they were going to waste it anyway. So it, it really doesn't use any power at all. And I don't believe a word of it. No, because that power could be used for other things, man. Charge up my Tesla. If I had one. There's not enough power in the world. Damn. And those batteries could blow up. So that'll be a story (sighs) for for a later time then. Yeah, I don't want to talk about crypto right now. Okay, what do we got? (laughs) Uh, I've got Pegasus. Well, that's like just a horse, right? I mean, what a horse with wings, I'll have you know. <laughs> that's a pretty awesome horse. Yeah, it is. But it is also the name of a suite of surveillance software written by NSO Group from Israel. And um, you know, I bring a lot of stories about how uh, there was some kind of software breach and how you are getting totally screwed as a normal person, as as the average Joe on the street. 
how uh, technology is working against you and just destroying your privacy in your life. This isn't that story. Um, this particular story of hacks is not targeting the average person on the street. It's not targeting the average grumpy old Ben. It's targeting, uh, well, uh, business executives, uh, members of royal families, politicians, heads of state, and journalists. Um, the Pegasus data leak came out actually a few months ago. In fact, I, I do believe we touched on the story when we talked about Jeff Bezos having his phone hacked. Yes. And um, the data leak was a list of 50,000 phone numbers uh, along with the date and time that they were entered into a system. Um, the date and times go back to 2016. And, um, and not all of the phone numbers are are known because it was just phone numbers and not other data with it. But, um, the, well, okay. First of all, the list, the leak has only been shared with journalists. It's being managed and, and kept secret by a nonprofit org of media outlets called Forbidden Stories, uh, among which the Guardian is one. And the Guardian is where I got most of this information. So it's entirely possible that it's all completely wrong. But what I didn't find in this was a particularly strong left versus right, which means I'm willing to provisionally believe the guardian might not be totally bullshitting me this time. Um, so the media outlets, the forbidden stories have identified over a thousand people on this list. And among them was 65 business executives, 18 members of Arab Royal families, 189 journalists, and in my notes, I have the word journalist in quotes. As um, it should be. Yeah. Uh, 600 plus politicians, including the heads of state and cabinet of multiple countries. Um, and then there was a line in the story said, in the coming days, the Guardian will be revealing the identities of many innocent people who have been identified. Um, yeah. Way to milk that story, people. Yeah, I didn't understand. Amnesty International was somehow involved in this, too. So what this is, is a massive hack against elites by we're not sure who, and we're not being given full information because outlets like The Guardian still think that they should be the gatekeepers of information. And I'm not real thrilled about that aspect. Um, but what we do have is some uh, forensic analysis of both the numbers and uh, they got a hold of 67 phones that had been on the list. Uh, oh, one of the things they found from the numbers is that they tend to be clustered in 10 different countries, uh, all of whom happen to be government clients of NSO group. Uh, Azerbaijan, Bahrain, Hungary, India, Kazakhstan, Mexico, Morocco, Rwanda, Saudi Arabia and UAE, United Arab Emirates. Um, all of whom are their, their governments are clients of the NSO group who use this surveillance software in official government capacities, whatever that means. And these clients, um, all seem to have a, a very large number of phone numbers on this list. So uh, maybe, uh, you know, th this is people that the guardian who, who they have not named who the people are, but the guardian says they are innocent people. I guess we'll just have to take the guardian's word that they're innocent. Well, yeah, it depends. Innocent of what is, uh, yeah. is the question. I mean, if they're journalists and politicians, I don't believe for a moment that they're innocent, but now, whether they are legally being spied upon is a completely different story, but we've talked about this from the beginning of grumpy old Ben's. If the United States government or any government, I mean, laws are different everywhere, but in the United States, 
if the United States government wants to spy on a journalist, they don't have to do it direct. They go to their friends over in the UK or somewhere else and go spy on these people for me, would you? And if yes. anything good comes up, let me know. It's legal. And, and you use you use the word legally, yes. which is is a, a kind of murky and almost entirely useless term when talking about governments doing things. Yeah, but, but I mean, even for the governments that want to try to cover their own butts, there are definitely loopholes here. The this software is quite interesting. And the fact that it is still effective against the latest version of iOS, which is a 14.6. And yep. I, this it just goes along to prove that none of these phones, I don't care what phone you have, none of them are secure. None yeah. Of them. They did, they did an analysis of 67 phones. Uh, of those 41 were iOS. Uh, so apparently they, uh, and that might be a function of the type of people they're trying to spy on prefer Apple. I'm not sure. Um, 23 of the phones were straight up owned. They had Pegasus installed. They had the, the remote control, the send all data to the cloud, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 14 of them showed signs of attempted penetration. Um, and, and note that the, those 14 are all iPhones because Androids do not keep logs, the kind of logs that were necessary to find out whether or not somebody tried to install this. iPhones do, in fact, keep those logs. So they had that. Uh, 30 of the phones were inconclusive in most cases because the handset was replaced after the number was put on the list. Uh, so, I mean, if you want to be protected from this, go swap out your phone. <laughs> yeah. But, um, Ultimately, what what they were able to determine is uh, that a, a large number of phone numbers, have, you know, here here's what we know for sure that the Guardian has been willing to release a 50,000 phone numbers are on a list that we're not allowed to see. Uh, they we are told that the people on that list are very high profile, uh, that the list seems to be people who have been added to the hack list for the NSO group. Uh, NSO has released a public statement saying things like we firmly deny these false allegations. You make wrong assumptions or uncorroborated theories. Uh, we expect that. Uh, I don't trust the guardian as far as I can pee into the wind. So I don't know exactly what is happening here, but maybe if they decide to be useful journalists and release more information than the, the amount they're trickling out, this, this could be a developing story. Well, it certainly is. And a bleeping computer had an article on this and it's not well, who is on the list to me that makes it a story. I mean, it's interesting to see who is being targeted. But the reality is, if there is government sponsored spying monitoring going on, it's going to be, as they pointed out here, yeah. politicians, human rights activists, journalists, academics, embassy workers, political podcasters. And podcasters. Well, yeah, we're journalists. I mean, we're more journalists than a lot of journalists. Uh, you know are. what? If anybody, if anybody listening to this knows how to get on that list, I would love to be on the list just to say that, yes, I'm important too. Yeah, I made it onto that list, but it just proves that these devices that people carry around with them, then they believe they are safe and they're secure. Uh, there was a story a couple of years ago that this group was selling a WhatsApp zero day exploit. So, as we've talked about, if you have applications on your phone that aren't absolutely essential, they are a security threat. This is one of the ways that they use to get into your device. 
the more of these apps that you have, the higher the chance is that your device is going to get owned. And you may not think you're on that list, and you're probably not, but your phone is not secure. There was a story on uh, that No Agenda talked about. It. I'm not even remembering. Oh, it was one of the uh, January 6th rioter things. And they were talking about all of the text messages back and forth between two yahoos that were like, hey, we can blow up this. Let's make some pipe bombs. Hey, let's do this. And I'm I'm yelling like you used SMS. Are you <laughs> morons? You would do this over SMS that, you know, if you have half a brain that your phone company stores can monitor all of this is able to be found out, which it sounds that they didn't have any of this, according to no agenda. They had none of this information. These guys were on a list and they went to the phone company and went, can you give us their text? And that's how they found this. Now, if they were using something like Tox, no, wouldn't have had that. That I mean, if trail. they were using something like WhatsApp, then they yes. couldn't have got it from the phone. I mean, they'd have to go to Facebook to get it instead. But yes, that's a different story. Maybe that's slightly. We have questioned exactly how secure WhatsApp and Signal and Telegram and all this other stuff is, because I don't trust any of it. But doing the stuff over SMS, it's like, are you a freaking idiot that you would corroborate? You know, you're collaborating with somebody to commit crimes against the federal government doing it on an sms you may as well call into npr and just say this is my name this is my address and this is what i'm planning to do because that's about the uh, amount of privacy you have or go into an an extremist chat room and chat with an fbi agent for a while until they give you a button that they say will blow something up they are always standing by waiting for you to uh, fbi agents are standing by yes and uh in this case the uh the concept that these devices are secure is something people need to be broken of i don't care if you have the latest greatest device uh of course you can't go buy this from some black market site thinking you're buying a super secure phone because as we found out that's also the fbi selling you the device that you think is super duper secure you really have to know what you're doing and roll your own that's the only possible way to do it which is why the freedom phone that we talked about in the last episode, just another farce because you don't have access. I don't believe it's an open source thing to what they're actually putting on your phone. And you can do this yourself. I mean, if you would just go buy a Google Pixel, Ryan, you too can run graphene, you know. I I, I bet I could. Instead, I'm using my, my Frankenstein of a broken Samsung operating system that doesn't have play store. It doesn't have Samsung services. And you know what? It might just be the only secure phone in the world because nothing works. Yeah. Yeah. And these are the latest one was a zero click. iMessage attack. So if you've got an iPhone and you're using that again, iMessage is for SMS. I don't know if you can use that with anything else, but I know it's used for SMS. It's like, this is where you're going to get owned and just understand that security and portable devices, the mobile devices, not really a thing. And so you wonder, there was a big deal that Trump wouldn't give up his whatever it was. I don't even remember. Was it a BlackBerry? There was something that when Trump first took office and Obama had his own private phone that he always wanted to use. And it's like, this is exactly oh. the reason why you can't, as a president of any country, you better not be using an iPhone or an Android phone. 
It was really you, you, if if you become president of something, you just have to give up all of your privacy entirely and and also sever ties with your brothers because they might be implicating you in, in some kind of a Bitcoin scam. You never know. And don't forget your kids, Joe Biden. You might want to just walk away. Yeah. Yeah. Don't just sever ties with your kids right after you set them up as as uh, small dictators in an oil company in Ukraine. Yeah. Well, I mean, just because they made millions of dollars doesn't mean anything was untoward. It, millions of pounds of cocaine. Imagine. <laughs> was it? But was it? Was it ethically sourced cocaine? Nothing that a Democrat has ever done is ethical. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. You have another story. Should we thank some experts uh, for today's show? Well, I've got uh, I've got a, a small app developer Ooh. being caught in between Amazon and Apple. Oh, is that that's that's not a good message uh, at all. Well, we we've definitely talked about this story before, but not this particular app. This app is called fake spot fake spot like is this fake a spot it's like a dog fake, that's not real fake spot is an app because of course it's an app everything is a freaking app uh which detects and points out quote false reviews and reviewers on amazon TripAdvisor, walmart and yelp uh they call themselves a data analytics firm and they opened they launched their product in june of 2021 it took approximately five weeks for them to get pulled down out of the app store. Um, so what they do is they rate reviews and sellers. Uh, so when uh, the, the way that their app works and their website works is uh, well, their website is kind of a browser plugin type type of thing that pops up a window to the side. When you're browsing one of these sites, Amazon, Walmart, Yelp, et cetera. Uh, when you, when you run the app, it, you know, Apple doesn't let you do side by side. So it launches the app and then it launches the website inside of the app. And what it does is while you're perusing the reviews, it goes back to their database where they've trained an AI to decide whether a review is legitimate or not. Um, they, they say that they highlight pros and cons about a product without having to read thousands of reviews. So I guess they they're distilling some of it. Uh, the, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure what that is. I don't know how well that works considering how much effort I have to put in when I want the pros and cons of something. Right. Um, the, uh, the app in order to, uh, uh, in order to use it, in order to even use their website, of course, you have to create an account because people don't think twice about creating new accounts anymore. Why not? Hey, let's just create an account here. I, um, in this case, the account is, quote, to maintain your analysis history across the desktop extension and mobile app. I, but there's no option not to create an account. That's fine. But um, the point where they got into trouble was uh, that Amazon went to Apple and they claimed that fake spot is wrapping their website and that uh, that could be used to and exploited to steal Amazon customer data. I don't know how much how much more danger your data is in than giving it to Amazon, but sure. Um, this does violate it does seem to violate Apple's uh, terms of service five point two point two third party sites and services. If your app uses accesses monetizes access to or displays content from a third party service, ensure that you are specifically permitted to do so under the service's terms of use. Authorization must be provided on request. Um, yeah, or well, that, that makes reason, sense because you need the Amazon pricing and the reviews to be able to say this is good or bad. For that reason, Apple yoinked them. Um, I, I, I don't. I, I get that that is uh, 
that, that does seem to violate the Apple terms of service. That is, is one of about 847 clauses in the Apple terms of service that I think are unreasonable and overbearing and shouldn't be there. But then again, I don't use Apple products for reasons like that. However, um, yeah, Amazon complained. Uh, Amazon also claimed when they, in their statement, they said, uh, we regularly review products where fake spot rated a product's reviews as untrustworthy and their findings were wrong more than 80% of the time. They simply do not have the information we have, such as reviewer, seller, and product history to accurately determine the authenticity of a review. We're Amazon. We know everything about you. Trust us. We'll never steer you wrong. I don't think that's a direct quote. No, not that last part. But uh, I mean, they, Amazon makes a good point in saying they have more data, meaning if Amazon and we talked about this, too, when it came to reviews, if Amazon really wanted to guarantee that the reviews were on the up and up, they could do a lot of things to go down that road. That doesn't seem like they have, which well, Amazon has certainly been taking a lot of heat. And we've talked about it on this show, even about their fake reviews. In fact, you know, the entire industry is popping up of companies who will go out and just create fake reviews for you in an automated fashion to make your product look better. Well, that's not hard. No, because and, they're and, willing and Amazon is not fixing it. So, well, because, well, they're willing to buy the product. And I've ranted about this quite a bit because before the changes were made, I mean, I was in the top 300, I think, of Amazon reviewers, which there's millions of them. So it was a pretty big thing. And that's why I still get emails to this day offering products for review that I just don't do because Amazon made the whole system into a crap show. But the reality is now the system is different rather than the company coming to the reviewer and saying, hey, I've got this microphone I want you to test. Here's a free coupon code. Go buy it at Amazon and then review it. And so that way you got the product, whether you actually reviewed it or not, there was nothing the company could do. If you stiff them, the worst thing they could do is not give you any more products. But if it was a crappy product and you decided to write that it was a crappy product, again, the company couldn't do anything. Now it's, well, we'll send you the product. And after you leave us five star review, then we'll give you your money back and maybe with a little bit of commission added on top of it. So the Amazon yeah. change and, made and this way worse. what if the product worse. isn't worth five stars? Well, it doesn't matter if you want to get your money back. You got yeah. to write a five-star review. Well, this feels a little bit corrupt now. Yes, it's very corrupt now. It was actually not corrupt to begin with because part of the Amazon system, and I would have been fine with them even adding a thing like they do, although... Amazon's always been a little weird because they have their own program, which is called Amazon Vine, where companies work with them to provide products to reviewers for free in order to get them reviewed. That's still going on. So the concept that Amazon thinks that free products for but review so, is a bad thing. So it's true. okay that Amazon does it, just not if, if a third party does. Is that yes. what I'm hearing? Yes. Okay. Yes. And that is a huge issue. It really is because. Now, for somebody that's doing audio gear, well, they don't want some random Yahoo that is on Amazon's list to do it. You know, if you if you have a microphone, you want Bandrew, first and foremost, I think, to review it. Or then you want me to review it because I know what I'm talking about. And if it's a good microphone, 
You want somebody to be honest. You want somebody to put it through its paces, not just go five star. Great. Check it. Check it out. You know, for companies that are honest, they want people to actually do an honest review. And you can't really do that with Amazon Vine. But Amazon now, when well, back when I was doing it, they didn't have anything that marked it, but they had the rule and regulation through Amazon, which I followed because otherwise, again, they just take your reviewer account away was somewhere in the review. You had to quite specifically say that the product was provided for free or for a discount in order for the person to do the review, because you have to say that or a discount because I got products that, oh, it was a hundred dollar product. And they're like, here's a coupon code to bring it down to a penny. So technically I was buying it, right? I was paying a penny for that hundred dollar item. So it wasn't free. But it had to be disclosed that you got a discount or you got a free product in order to do the review. And enough people, I guess, complained about those types of reviews. And the hilarity is the change that Amazon made drove that all underground and has made it 10 times worse as far as figuring out what are legitimate reviews and what aren't. And the concept here that an AI could somehow figure out what is an illegitimate review. Now, the only thing that I would say an AI could possibly do would be able to look at it. You know, if there's a hundred different reviews on a product, if you look for a specific marketing sentences, because some of these idiots, when they send the thing out, like, Oh, make sure you mentioned we got extra special gooiness. And if you see the same words coming up in every one of the ads in every one of the reviews, and it's Freudian slip, same thing, maybe that, you know, they're, that they're at. Right. That somebody was paid to do that or somebody was prompted to do that or somebody was at the very least prepped on what they should write in their review. And I think AI could probably do that. But in AI trying to figure out which reviews are actually legit and which which ones aren't, I don't buy that yet. It's certainly a tall order. And and honestly, I'm I'm highly, highly skeptical that that fake spot is capable of doing what they claim to be doing. And I don't know if the 80% of the time wrong number is accurate or if it's more like 40% or if, if I, I, I highly doubt they're spot on, but I also think that they, they get no short, no, or no small number. Right. Uh, here's my takeaway from the article. Uh, Amazon has created a system is this is a system of their own making that has allowed uh, a, a corrupt people to lie to you in reviews for money uh and what you i mean you've got uh you, you amazon has created a system wherein their reviews are not trustworthy and there have been industries popping up about creating untrustworthy reviews there is no surprise whatsoever that an industry would pop up about trying to detect them because it's a customer <laughs> need that Amazon is not fulfilling. There is a customer need to know, can I trust this review? And Amazon is disturbingly silent on it. Their corporate stance is still, of course, you can trust our reviews, which is patently false. Everybody knows it's false. There is an unserved customer need of figuring out, is this review legit or is it a shill that I'm talking to? So I am not surprised that's popping up and I don't think Amazon is doing their review system any favors when 
they are putting energy toward stomping on somebody who is trying to solve a problem of Amazon's making that Amazon does not appear to be solving in any useful way. It, it, I, at this point, the, the thing that suffers here is the reliability of Amazon's review system. I, nobody is fooled. People know that there's bullshit reviews in there. And, and what's Amazon doing to try to resolve this? Oh, they're stomping on a third party company who is purporting to help you with that. Yeah, and I don't know if they're accurate or not because they're but, pulling up a web page. But yeah, but Amazon is is not doing themselves any favors with this story, I guess, is where I'm coming from. And then Apple is acting all authoritarian like usual. It's just an Apple thing. I'm not even sure why, you know, that, other than then the app was removed from the iOS store, but not removed from the uh, Android store. Yeah. So I guess, you know, Google's not paying attention and Apple's like, oh, sure, you you want an app taken down? We'll take apps down. We do that all day. But this is this is Apple versus their customers is what I see this story framed as. It kind of. Well, yeah, it's uh, Amazon. Yeah. That, Did I say Apple? I meant Amazon. I'm sorry. It, it, Amazon versus their own customers. Yeah, because uh, Amazon wants to sell the products that they don't care. They really don't. The, uh, the the way their review system has changed, they now allow people to just leave a star rating without any text, which, you know, I can kind of understand part well, of that when, thinking. When the the text of hundreds of reviews on any given product is love this product, five stars, great product, five stars. I agree. Those yeah. should be this thing solved out. all my problems. Five stars. There should be a minimum amount of words, maybe something like that. Or this is where an AI can figure out that they are useless as far as the text that were added, but it makes it a lot easier to scam a system where you just have to put a star rating in back when the reviews were somewhat fair. You went, uh, by, by the way, on that point, I'm not looking for blocking reviews going in that are only three words, but what I want is a filtering tool that says I, I give me the rating minus all the reviews under six words. Right. You know, give you a, a filter would be nice. But back in the day, I thought it was pretty fair because if I had a review on a product, my name was attached to it. Now, the most of them just say Amazon customer or something like that. And back then, you could click on the reviewer's name and see a list of everything they've reviewed, which also I thought was useful. And this was a way, you know, you talk about the AI. Well, when it came down, because I would do a lot of reviews of music because I like music. It may have occurred to people who listen to the No Agenda Rock. I would never have guessed. And the the way I went from being a schlub on the Amazon reviewer system, I mean, rated down in the you know millions, hundreds of thousands, whatever it was, was pretty far down, was reviewing. I mean, this will be a big surprise to everybody, too. Uh, Taylor Swift's Red Album, I believe it was. And that became my review of that became the number one review for that, which got a lot of likes or whatever it was to bring my account way up. But the reality is when you could click on somebody's name and see everything else they reviewed. Well, if you look at other bands, they reviewed. So if I like, oh, well, he rated Taylor Swift high, oh, but also rated, you know, Sinatra high rated, you know, and you can kind of get an idea. Uh, if your likes are similar to the person reviewing and if the if you two match up, then you can be like, well, I'll check what they think about 
whatever else, because then you think you kind of have a simpatico thing going on with that particular reviewer, because let's be honest, when it comes to a lot of things, whether they're good or not is very subjective. There are some people that think Taylor Swift is great. There are some people that think Taylor Swift is crap. There's some people that think, you know, jockey shorts are fantastic and some people that think they suck. So it helps to be able to have a reviewing system where the reviewers are not just bots that aren't just a number that isn't just a random bit of data that you could then you could follow reviewers. You could favorite them and then they would, you know, their reviews would show up if you were looking at a product that they reviewed. It made a whole lot more sense. Why Amazon actually changed it? I find it hard to believe that they gave into peer pressure of everybody going, ow, why do they get stuff for free? You know, I don't know why Amazon <laughs> would give into that, but, you know, this is maybe making Amazon more money at this uh, somehow. I don't know. I, I think demanding the review be, be not just bots. Um, you're expecting way too much of the American public these days, is all I'm saying. Probably. And I mean, as long as we're going to blast. Amazon, can we blast Target just a little for a second here? Yes, yes. In fact, they have you seen their logo? They expect it. They demand it. They should. I have never had a big problem with Target. They sell some good vinyl. We'll go right back to the music, and they've got some stuff that is only available at Target. So I check out their site with regularity to see if anything new is coming out. When uh, these uh, these keto peanut butter bars that I really like, they were out of stock all the time at Meyer. I bought a bunch of them through Target and had them shipped, which was great in the winter. In the summer, you don't get chocolate and peanut butter bars shipped. I've learned that. So that, no. was, a, that was a mistake made. And it, well, it got no, hot no, early. In fact, chocolate should not exist outside in the summer. I know. And, and yeah, it, ordered, It's something everybody learns at about five years old. We had an early hot day and it was like, oh, man, they, they came a little bit. Uh, they came a little bit melted, but target now yes i i have a story that i'm not going to tell on this show uh, about my wife and some edibles that uh may or may not have suffered the same fate oh that sounds like a post-show extravaganza but i went out of the target site and i went to go click i click on categories and then i click on music to get to the vinyl and i noticed over the weekend that the first listing now if you go to target and hit categories right under main menu is black owned or founded and I what? think this is the most racist thing I have ever seen in my life that I would definitely not go that far, but it is racist. Yes. Well, for a company to do this and this be the top thing on the list. And I'm like, what would happen I, if I a mean, company I've, I've listed been suffering, white I've owned been suffering or founded Amazon and, and Netflix who have uh, their, their streaming video services that put up categories in front of you. And uh, both of them will put up categories like uh, movies from black directors. Right. Right. And I don't get it. But I mean, again, what would you, what would happen if you went to target and the first thing was white owned or founded? I mean, this is uh people would well, be rioting there, there would in the be streets. Outrage. Yeah. Yes. There would be complaints. They would be looting targets. There, which, there would be the same number of complaints from the people who aren't racist, uh, which is not a lot, but maybe some. And there would be a lot more complaints from the people who are racist who think that the only racism that should be allowed is against whites. Right. Well, you have to have your racism. That's cool. Somebody else's racism, not so much. Yes, yes. But Bigotry I, is only cool when it's your own. 
Yeah, I mean, this is I don't like this stuff being thrown into those kind of categories. I don't well, there's care. There's the understatement of the moment. Yeah. I mean, when it comes down to, well, you talked about Netflix and television shows. I really enjoy Grownish, Blackish, uh, you know, two great series with a majority black cast. I, I don't really care. I mean, I loved Everybody Hates Chris. Also a great show. Watch Good Times back in the day and what's happening. I mean, these were just good television shows. This concept that here's a black show, here's a white show. That's what's racist. You, when you start making this a front page thing, when you start pointing this kind of stuff out, that's where you have a problem. And I don't mind people that are like, well, okay, I want to support a particular business, but is just being black owned enough? I mean, there are black conservatives. It, so, it is for I mean, a lot of people. Well, but that doesn't make sense. Because there are black conservatives. If there was like a, uh, there was if there was a black equivalent of the My Pillow guy who was just as conservative as him, do you think the blacks would want to support him? No, just because he's black. No, they'd hate him because so he's there, conservative. There are some very smart people who happen to have dark skin and are conservative and uh, generally talk sense and are not the kind of people that are ever mentioned when you start when if you're a liberal and want to talk up the black like uh, uh thomas soul like uh leonidas johnson like mo there are are some incredibly smart people who don't follow the political line and oh by the way they happen to have dark skin okay i mean that doesn't mean much to me compared to what they say but it means everything to a, a lot of the people out there uh, you know leonidas on his podcast is always talking about being called a a race trader or an uncle Tom, because people hate what he has to say and they hate even more. Like they lose their minds that he says it th through skin that is not white. <laughs> and I like that. Mo is at that level, like Cher or Madonna, just one, <laughs> just Mo. Well, just because he's never given his last name. <laughs> it's not facts. I thought his last name was F-A-C-T-Z. Mo facts, I, I, baby. I, I, I don't have I don't have any source that that refutes that. So let's go with it. And uh, what I don't understand, though, I mean, this is a racist dream, I think. So if you are, you know, a Nazi white supremacist type and you shop at Target, now you know what brands not to buy. You're like, no, <laughs> I won't. I won't buy this because it's black on. It's like, you know what? If I'm in a store and I'm looking for a pair of shoes or something. I don't care who owns the company. I want the best and, shoes I can buy. And, and and that's half the country, according to some people. I, I have been told to my face by somebody who I still consider a friend, but don't talk to as much as I should, that uh, he, he honestly believes that everybody who voted for Trump is a racist. Wow. Like, well, that's that's not really a point we're going to be able to agree on. You know, and when you start there, it makes it really hard to continue to have any kind of dialogue and i've become a little bit more uh, trigger fingered with that kind of stuff it's the reason if he, i don't know if he listens to this show but uh paul the <laughs> book no. guy yeah but all not paul not your guy uh, but oh, paul okay. the book guy i stopped following him on twitter after one too many ashley babbitt ashley babbitt ashley babbitt post i just got tired of it i'm Ouch. like you know you gotta move on and that I was just, painful to listen to. <laughs> well, it was painful to read it originally. And I was like, you just have to move on with it because we're, you know, we're not going to agree on everything. And if you're stuck on a point that we're not going to agree on, 
then you may as well not even have the conversation. And it's the same thing. If you know somebody that thinks everybody that voted for Trump is a racist and they're never going to change their mind, it's just like, well, I'm just going to need to back out and never talk politics with you because you're insane. There is that. And and that's true of far too many people these days. Uh, oh, while we were talking about TV shows with excess wokeness injected, do you want to talk about the Tomorrow War? I have no idea what it is, but I'm because I don't. So let's go to experts. Okay, let's go to experts. Then, then are we going to talk about the Tomorrow War? No, no, no I don't it, want to talk about it at all. It's very woke. I, I it's get that something point. that every podcast seems to be talking about. Oh, which is exactly why we uh, will not. Which is why I'm not. I'm not really interested. Uh, Adam ranted about it on uh, actually. Uh, Dave Jones brought it up on podcasting 2.0. I just, I, I don't know. It's, it's a new movie from, I don't remember which service it's on. It's on either Netflix or Amazon because I know that I've, I've had the opportunity to see it, but like, I, I, I thought it was a, a movie. <laughs> you thought it was not. So the only thing I've watched that was created recently was McCartney 321, the documentary that Hulu put out, which has Rick Rubin interviewing more or less. Paul McCartney for about three hours, which I found to be entertaining, but I'm not as big of a fan as a lot of people online. I think they could have gone a lot deeper. I would have liked to seen a lot more. Uh, the The overall vibe of the way it was shot in black and white with like cameras moving was just a little too artsy for me. And it, I don't think it really required that kind of a treatment. There were there were some nuggets, I will say, being the first big music that I ever got into was the Beatles back in 1980 when John Lennon was murdered. And I went and found my parents LPs, played the hell out of them and have been a huge Beatle fan ever since. So, I mean, I kind of, uh, you know, followed Paul through the solo career saw him when he went on tour back for the flaming pie tour which was absolutely fantastic until i blew out an eardrum when the pyrotechnics went off but you know that's another story entirely you, you know you're not supposed to point them into your ear yeah you've got to be very careful with those uh with those explosions there was let's just say it was sonic bombast at its finest so i mean i followed paul and i know the stories of how the beatles music for him for a long time was a sore spot. I mean, as you kind of get it, it's like those guys were a family. They broke up and it was a bad breakup. So it's like when you break up with somebody, the last thing you're doing is re- reminiscing about all the stuff that you did together. And it's like, well, no, I want to. No, no. During, during the breakup, you're usually reminiscing about all the bad times. Yes. And that's kind of what happened. I mean, Lennon wrote a song, you know, how do you sleep, which was against Paul and Paul wrote a song and they went back and forth. And now that there's enough space between them and Paul looking back on a career, he now realizes that he was able to stand pretty good as a solo artist out there on his own. But watching his face as Rick Rubin was playing some different parts, especially some of the bass parts that Paul played that when you isolate them were just freaking fantastic. I mean, he was way ahead of his time and he is a much better bass player i think than he gets credit for so it was really cool to see that but just playing some of the beatles tracks the look on his face of pure joy and i don't think he was faking this in any way shape or form i think he is finally at that point to where like the rest of us he can just be a fan and be like this was awesome stuff 
you know, especially for the technology they had at the time to do the recording, that this was just for what other people were making. And he talked about how the biggest competitor they had was with the Beach Boys. And he's like, well, mainly Brian Wilson, because he was the guy that was doing all of this stuff, you know, writing all this stuff. And he, I don't, it wasn't mentioned in the documentary, but one of the interviews around the documentary that I read before the documentary came out, Paul McCartney, I guess, when his kids become of age, you know, kind of a thing to where he thinks they're ready for it. The album he gives them is the Beach Boys Pet Sound, which is like, hey, you got to You got to check this out. So I, I thought that was really kind of cool that here's the guy, Paul McCartney, who is one of the biggest rock and roll stars of all time. And to his kids, he's like the Beach Boys, man, these guys had it going on. But, you know, he's a fan of music as if you are. I think you can kind of look at it in a different way you look at it not as a competition you know on who's number one or who's on the charts these guys just made music that i mean the stuff that came out in the 50s and 60s that is still listened to today and and still better than a lot of the stuff that came out today so uh i mean i would recommend if anybody's into that kind of music into the beatles into music at all it's a worthy documentary to watch and uh, the only other thing I've seen as far as a new television series is Ted Lasso. I don't know if I mentioned that on the last show. We found that kind of randomly. It was on the uh, I've Apple. I've not heard of it. It's it's on Apple. <laughs> it's on the Apple Plus service, which we okay. got a year free when we got uh, the I've free iPhone. Yeah. Apple Plus service. I've never heard of it. Yeah. It's kind of, they've, it's like Amazon Prime. It's like Hulu. They've got their own streaming service. And uh uh, Jason, what's his name? Jason, uh, I'm b- blanking on his last name, but, uh, the guy that was on Saturday night live, but it's a really good show. It was Bill Lawrence was one of the producers on the show and he has done everything from spin city to scrubs and all that kind of stuff. And it was one of the few shows which has been made over the last five or 10 years, you know, especially over the last few years, because one, it wasn't woke at all, which was kind of interesting. And two, it actually had good writing. Uh, Jason Sudeikis, right. Thank you, DigiGuru. And it was something that uh, I'm looking forward to a second season. It was a American football coach who is, you know, very much the, uh, you know, never down to a fault, you know, just too goofy to, to a more or less level. And uh, he ends up winning a football championship in the United States. And then I'm like, this is very much like Major League, the vibe of the Major League movie, which was the owner wanted to trash the team. Well, in this case, it's the woman that owns the soccer team over in jolly old England just got a divorce from her husband. He loved the team. So she's trying to ruin it. So she hires this American football coach to come coach the soccer team. So it's a fish out of water story in a couple different levels. And it actually worked really well. So as far as television that's been made over the last couple of years that I've seen, that's about the only thing I've liked. I've got to admit my main takeaway from the last five minutes uh, was uh, when you go to a concert, wear earplugs. Yes, you have to wear earplugs. And I, I didn't to Ted Nugent at the house of blues once. And oh, my God, my ears rang for a week. But I digress. We do have experts to thank. And their ears, oh, ears, like their ears can be ringing just as well 
And today we got our buddy Sean McCune coming in with 25 bucks. That's a monthly donation. No, 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 nothing. I mean, if you do monthly donations and you ever want us to uh, mention anything, uh, anything to say, feel free to include that. I mean, we're always we're always looking for content. I mean, we could never find anything to talk about here on Grumpy Old Benz. I mean, that's why the shows are so short. People have been clamoring for longer shows and we're doing our best. But coming in at $10, this is the one that just came in as the show was starting. Kendra, otherwise known as Kenny Ben, otherwise known as No Agenda Artist one, Extraordinary. One, yes, one of the best No Agenda Artists out there, not named Darren O'Neill. Exactly. And she has a note that says, any recommendations on wireless headphones? I just accidentally washed my $250 Power Beats. Um, so I guess it. <laughs> Clean power I, I, I too am the kind of person who might accidentally wash them, which is why I usually get uh, a pair of $5 wired <laughs> earbuds. Yeah, that's a much better way to go. She says, I know I'm a dumbass. I was hoping that they would dry out and work so far. They work, but I can barely hear on them thinking I may need to buy new ones. And don't even say those dumb Q-tip Apple ones. Love you uh, guys. So if they are generating sound, but it's very quiet sound, uh, one of my first guesses is you might have a very small drop of water still stuck behind the diaphragm of something. And if you feel confident taking the entire thing apart, you might be able to pull apart the audio bits and see if you can dry that out more thoroughly. Because um, those areas are usually very, very well sealed for acoustic reasons. Yes. Yeah. And there, I mean, there's a, a couple things you can do. I mean, one, a not that dry- I have any clue what I'm talking about here. I mean, hair dryer, maybe, or the you can try the hammer. trick of no, a hammer will break them. But you can try a trick of take some dry white rice in a big bag, a Ziploc bag, and then put the headphones in and seal that up for a couple of days because the rice will absorb moisture and there's other things you can use but rice is usually the uh the go-to and easiest thing yes. unless you have some of those like silica gel packs that like and everything do not eat those are there to absorb moisture so you want something uh, and to, they work pretty well if you've got them yes so i mean that would be it's one just way rice to tends to be more plentiful it also tastes better when when you've then cooked up your your headphones in a pot with a little bit of curry powder and you know headphones are very much a personal thing it depends what you're looking for i like the more reference style headphones which means they're going to be a more flat response so it's not over accentuating the bass it's not giving you an extra over uh boost in the high end now if you mainly are listening to music and you want you know a lot of people love the headphones that i think the beats are one of those that are more accentuated for the the low end and a lot of times you just have to try them when it comes to, you know, just an out of the box. Uh, I would say there's a few companies you can try. I mean, Klipsch, I think, has a decent set of wireless. And it all depends, too, how big you want. If you want over the ear or the earbuds. Uh, Sir Mitchell may have just come in with the show title said headphones a la king. Ooh, yeah, you, you don't you don't want to wash your headphones. But we can uh, we can certainly look a little bit more into that because some of the best headphones i've had were from chinese knockoff companies that disappear after they make a couple runs of headphones for some reason and uh you, know, you can find those every now and then i would say go and check out the amazon reviews but 
we just talked about why that may not be. Well, a great I've idea. heard there are services that uh, that can help you determine whether those reviews are are legit or not. So yes, and I've done if, a if you're ton, not on iOS, I've done a ton of reviews on wireless headphones. Of course, most of those are now out of spec because it was probably four or five years ago, actually five or six years ago, and the Bluetooth standards have changed and all that. But uh, there's uh, there's a lot there's a lot you can choose from. And if anybody has a go to brand that doesn't cost a ton. That sounds good. Let us know. Darren at grumpyoldbenz.com or post it over for Kendra too, over on No Agenda Social. And uh, we'll certainly, if anybody has any suggestions, pass those along. And then coming in today at $3.30, the magic number is uh, Kilgore Trout, a.k.a. Tim. He says uh, this should be credited to Sir Kilgore Trout of the dude's name, Ben, retired. Or because there, there are some who call him Tim. Yes. I love the, because that is so tedious to say, you could just call me Tim completely up to you. I don't care one way or the other, but no, you do care. We know you care and that's fine. We don't have a problem no, no, saying it, Sir Kilgore Trout. Care. Right. Yes. You're, you're, you're misattributing the lack of caring, but we appreciate Sir Kilgore Trout. He's around a lot for these shows. Yes. And for we the do rock care and roll about pre-show. We, we appreciate all of our experts. And he's donating to the rock and roll pre-show, which puts him on a very short okay, list. Well, they appreciate him a little less than, but not much. <laughs> he's like anything with less Bemrose, I'm in. And uh, I mean, that's a valid thing, but we do work on the value for value model. And that's a little different than what most podcasts do. We learned it from no agenda, Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak, that we put the shows out there. You decide what they're worth to you. All we can do is give you the way to share some of that value back. And you do that by going to grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate. There is a donate button. How simple can you get? It's a button that says donate, and that'll take you to PayPal for a one-time. Although, uh, if I may, uh, apparently Tina the Keeper has a very strong opinion on this, and she's an expert. So it should be red, the about. button. It should be red. Yeah, ours isn't. That's yeah. Why, is that why we're not doing That might be why we're not making as much money as No Agenda. You know, you know if I change the button to red and donations go up by like 8,000%, I'm going to be like, what the hell? How didn't I know this? You know what? I I want this to happen. (laughs) Okay. This is going on the list. Change the button to red. And uh, it's it's a one-time or a monthly donation via PayPal. That's what that magic button does. But you can also use one of the QR codes or the wallet addresses to go the crypto route. And you can use the PO box address. One of our favorite ways for you to show some value back to us because there's no middleman. Nobody takes out a percentage. You just send in a check. Your bank will write the check for free. Send it for free. Online bill pay is a beautiful thing. Any of those. However you want to do it, show some value back to Grumpy Old Benz. Keep us on the air. Keep the microphone sounding good. And and someday, Ryan may even get a bidet. But that's, that's, <laughs> that's dreaming. That's dreaming. I, actually, I still do want one. Uh, I checked out, and it, it would have to be a third-party one. My plumbing is, the, is not set up for... You know, I don't even know why I'm talking about this. <laughs> hey, I don't know. I mean, you said you wanted a story that you could tell off the show that uh, we want the stories after you get the buff- the bidet. You'd be like, wow, Ryan seems so much happier. Yes. What's changed? And he's like, I finally got a it's bidet. like somebody's caressing my bum hole. <laughs> is that a good is that a good feeling? I guess it depends. It depends I, on the pressure. It depends on what you're into. I don't kink shame. Yeah, they do probably cause cancer in California, but I don't know. So I had an IOT story that I teased on Friday and uh, I can tease it again and then, and then pretend like we never did it because uh, Hey, what, who, who needs consistency? 
Why would you tease if, the poor story? What did it do to you? Um, I, again, not kink shaming. Oh, okay. Yes, some, yes. some stories are into that sort of thing. Uh, you know what? I, I'll go with it. This is a, uh, a, a Bob cassette rewinder and, uh, it's, it's not new, which is why I, it, it not particularly timely, but, uh, I found this on GitHub and it fascinated me. The links to which some people will go. Um, there is a, an internet connected dishwasher. Uh, from uh, a Dutch company called Dantec called the Bob dishwasher. And I, I, I'm not sure where the name Bob came from, but I'm going to go with it. We, we, we call it Bob. Just as good um, of a name as any. Yeah. Why not? This thing, it has an internal water tank. You fill it by hand. So there's no plumbing required, uh, which means that if you have a space where you need a dishwasher and you only do a couple dishes, I, it, it you know, it's it's about the size of a medium sized microwave. Um, it, it'll wash the dishes from a, a meal for two people. That's not a big deal. So total bachelor device here. Um, the uh, the the line from uh, the article said uh, this: the dishwasher arrived after a two months wait, and overall, I'm very happy with it. It fits on my kitchen top, has enough space for my dishes, uses a tiny amount of water, and overall works just fine. No problem. So. Uh, the, the person who put this together, uh, a, a person whose GitHub user handle is Deku Nukem, um, seems to be all right with this particular device. However, there is one slight problem with it. And that is the fact that even though it appears to be a Dutch company, um, it's still very Silicon Valley. Uh, it uses a, uh, a, a cassette called the Bob cassette which is an all-in-one detergent and rinse aid cartridge uh, that you plug into the front of it and it lasts for 30 washes and they are selling it on the printer ink model. Um, The, the Bob dishwasher is not particularly expensive and you buy one and then you have to subscribe. You have to get a subscription to the Bob cassettes. Um, This sounds like a horrible idea. (laughs) <laughs> again this is designed to be sold to uh basically to millennial bachelors who do uh, have a couple dishes a night may or may not want to either either don't have a full dishwasher like you know maybe your your parents basement wasn't fitted with one i don't know or a dorm I, room. I, i'm not sure the scenario here but i'm i believe that there are quite you know there's a lot of places in europe where uh, a large house is converted into a number of small apartments and not all of them are going to have kitchen plumbing or or dishwasher plumbs so maybe this is a maybe this is a solution a lot of people in europe need um so here's the breakdown on the cost uh the all-in-one detergent the cassette lasts for 30 washes so if you're if you're doing one meal a day then or, or one wash a day it's a month monthly cassette um it takes it costs uh 43 euros or about 60 dollars for a package of three cassettes and one cleaning cassette so 90 washes uh, it's only available from their website. And after shipping in VAT, it turns out to be about 67 cents per wash for the cost of the cartridges. Um, it, the Bob dishwasher does in fact have a Wi-Fi uh, adapter inside of it so that it can connect to the internet so that it can automatically order new cassettes when it runs low, because that's the problem everybody has, I guess. Um, now to their credit, the Bob dishwasher does work without being connected to the internet. So he was running it this way. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, 
My thought, my first thought immediately when I heard about this subscription model, of course, is what happens when the company inevitably runs out of business because their business model is crap. You never get to wash dishes ever again. <laughs> well, I, another a big bonus for Don Tech is that uh, if if the cassette does run out and you don't have time, it is possible to add your own detergent to the the wash what you do is you put your dishes in and then you pour detergent on top of your dishes and then you run it and it seems to work mostly but don tech advises against it well deku nukem decided hey this uh you know uh, 67 cents per wash almost a dollar per wash is too much 67 uh, cents is not almost a dollar it, uh, it, it, it it is in terms of it's closer to a dollar than it is to free well that's true <laughs> infinitesimally yeah um so the interesting bit of this story is that deku nukem decided that he wasn't going to have any of this gouging and he hacked it uh the bob cassette he pulled it apart and determined it has a 24c02 eprom which can hold he pulled up the spec sheet and it can hold 256 bytes of data um, he connected it to a computer using, uh, the picture was great. It had alligator clips and some hacky wires and stuff and dumped the memory of the cassette and saved it out to a 256 byte file. Then he ran the wash again and dumped the memory and determined that only one byte had changed. Um, modifying that back byte, uh, on the, the writing to the EPROM and modifying the byte and then putting it back into the Bob, uh, dishwasher. He determined that, uh, yes, that byte controlled exactly how many washes were remaining on it. So uh, I, 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 I may not have made clear. Uh, the reason why he needed this is because once you've done your 30 washes, the Bob dishwasher would refuse to use that cassette ever again until you send the cassette back to Don Tech and they send you a, a new one full of detergent and also that has uh, a memory on it of it has 30 washes remaining. Right. Now, but he was much, able, you know, so how much huh? detergent was really in the cartridge? Um, we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> but what, one of the things that he learned while messing with this EPROM is that there are no bounds checking. Now it uses one byte. So you're never going to have more than 255 washes, but he was able to set it to uh, 250 washes remaining on the cartridge. Uh, now the trick is there's not that much detergent in there. So you're going to end up with weird washes, but figured out how to change the EPROM and convince the cassette that it has more washes remaining. Then the question was what to fill it with. Don tech of course is very tight lipped about what they're putting in this. However, uh, pulling the spec sheets for multiple detergents and rinsing agents, uh, measuring the amounts in the cart cassette cartridge. He was able to find the, a brand of detergent, which seems the most likely and determined that for a five liter bottle of detergent, it's six euros. <laughs> this guy did For some work five liter bottle of the rinse aid it was 629 euros so uh calculating that out when you refilled the cartridge which you can just do with a little turkey baster uh the total cost is 1.1 cents per wash uh, for a 98 percent cost saving to refill the cartridges um five liters of detergent will also last for three years of daily washes <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how, what do you do with this information? Um, Deku Nukem now sells a product called the Bob Rewinder, which is nothing more than a USB-C to PCB connector and some open source software, which will rewind your Bob cartridges 
You can buy this. The GitHub link will be in the show notes. Genius. <laughs> that is genius. And uh, the the last thing that he points out is uh, that Don Tech does advertise. Uh, the reason that they use cassettes is because it gives you a positive cycle of green practices. They are fighting against single use plastics somehow by giving you a cassette that you can't refill. Right. Well, um, because you're the, the big part is you're they're forcing you to send that back to them yeah. to get a refill. And that's that's exactly what they you know that's their selling point. Their selling point is they want you to send the cassette back to them where it will be refilled and therefore no waste other than all the energy required in transporting it and also a a so yeah. What you're saying is that the uh, Bob dishwasher is way better at laundering your money than your dishes. I I, I don't know how well it launders the dishes. Deku Nukem seemed to be very reasonably satisfied with the way it washed the dishes however all that said i shouldn't try to explain away your joke it was pretty good it was it was sir matthew's joke that i stole from no agenda so oh, in that case it sucked and then and then followed by cocsb iot talk on gob what happened i thought they are political podcast no we're a tech <laughs> podcast that dabbles That's in politics so, we're a we're a podcast that dabbles that's yes. really all I can say. Speaking of the so, dabblers, uh, Fletcher recommends a $60 pair of AKG headphones that he uses. And uh, CSB hates Ted Lasso because it shows a non-racist English England, which is a total lie. I see. Not enough racism for CSB. That's that's a, actually the CSB only likes vacationing in the racist for England. Yes, exactly. No, he says no to England. They're bad. Right. So if you have to show England as racist for it to be a good show for CSB, I mean, I understand the show was not realistic at all, but it was fun. We always have fun. We try to. Being grumpy is fun. Just, you know, hey, if your dishwasher runs out of cartridge, that, uh, yeah, that doesn't sound convenient. But I mean, I could see where this is where we're going because we don't want you to buy like I buy the uh, the Dawn antibacterial yeah. apple scented dishwashing detergent and like bottles of like 72 ounces and it's also great for making hand soap now the the stuff for the dishwasher is different we use like the little pods which are a pain in the ass because well the biggest pain in the ass was a full box of those pods which didn't have the cover on it under the sink when the under the sink leaked totally screwed with those pods man you mix a little, you mix a little water and they become like one big pod. Yeah. You, you end up with like, hopefully you're planning on, on washing your dishes in a pool. Yes. That's the size of the pod we have. <laughs> yes. now. We now have a very, very big pod. So, uh, I mean, the, yeah, I, 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 you know, they pointed out on, in, on this site, that that the Bob dishwasher, uh, it can be used with pods. The only thing is that getting the, uh, getting the portions right are very, very tricky. And it's why Don Tech, uh, recommends that you only use the cassettes. It has nothing to do with, with, uh, them making money on the, uh, on the return. Oh, no, of and course no. not. They just don't want you to use too much detergent. I, 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 for me, the big thing is, uh, it, it is so incredibly Silicon Valley to say that you're being green and saving the world. By creating a, a single use plastic thing that you have to keep sending back and forth rather than just putting a, a reservoir in the dishwasher that it can portion out. 
Yeah, which would make a lot more sense. Like, if I could just pour Dawn into the top of the dishwasher whenever the reservoir gets low, that would be environmentally friendly. Not these cartridges you have to keep sending back every month. But no, anyway. but they're teaching people. Don't you get it? They're brainwashing people. Kind of. I prefer to refill it. Like your printer ink cartridges in the toner, where it's like, no, you need our special ink and our special toner. Yeah, it's it's exactly the same model. You know, we we all love to make fun of the Juicero juice packet machine that that it used the juice packet that the machine was this incredibly complex machine that had Wi-Fi and an app and a, an online account so that it could squeeze the juice packets that you buy for 10 times as much as you would normally frozen juice. And that was utterly ridiculous, but it wasn't the first and it wasn't the last, you know, the the one in my house that I've been arguing with is a uh, soda stream where I've completely given up on, on paying for their CO2 canisters because the only thing that's different about a soda stream CO2 canister versus one that you go get at, at your local diving shop is or, or paintball store is the fitting is different on the top. So for the cost of one refill on the soda stream, I went and got a brass fitting that you can put over the top that lets me take it into a paintball shop and refill it with CO2. Nice. I should do that because I've got I've got I've got one more left. I bought one of these things like 15 years ago and I still have one of the I've never used it. Oh, I'm a fan. I'm a you know, I don't I don't use the SodaStream brand syrups because uh, they're they're either crazy carbs or they're nasty. Yeah, but um, I'll use the sparkling water for a lot of things. We got the uh, the buble water. They have their little essence that you could just add to your own. And that worked really well. And uh, you can, like you said, you can do your own. You can make your own flavors, man. It's the healthiest drink you can make. So you'll have to share. That's maybe it could be a new segment. The Bemrose fizzy drink recipe segment. The healthiest drink you can make. Yes. It's water with extra stuff. (laughs) Actually, you know, after discussions with my doctors, my dentists, and more importantly, just paying attention, I have already nailed exactly what the most healthy thing that you can drink when you're thirsty. Non-fizzy water? Water. Because the, the fizzy stuff, they say, can do damage to your teeth. Fizzy too. stuff, is, well, it's carbonic acid. It will mess with your teeth. So you got to be careful. Even fizzy water is not good for you. Yep. But, but I, sugary fizzy water is the worst. Yes. Well, of course. And uh, that adds on the calories. That adds on the carbs. That adds on the sugar. And then you can just feel bad all day long until you get another dose of sugar and caffeine. Yes. And most- which is which is why I simply have water that I have ground up cooked beans in, and it's very dark. Black a, coffee matters. You're very dark. But the the last story I wanted to talk about was one that we were definitely scooped like Hagen does by everybody because this was and, a and so you want to talk about it? Yes, this was uh, on Slate back in uh, December of 2019. But Bandrew talked about it on the Bandrew Says podcast yesterday, and it was just so crazy that. We had to talk about it here on Grumpy Old Ben's, which was TikTok. I mean, one of our favorite sites. We've always highly recommended one night. We've always told people to stay far, far away from TikTok, that TikTok had an issue and they admitted their solution was a little different. They realized that when you have a social media site, that there are a lot of people that are dicks. There's a lot of bullying. There is a lot of people leaving really mean comments. No way. I, can you? I know. It's hard to believe, but this is what social I thought media, everyone on the internet was nice to each other. No, social media has. I guess I'm out of the loop. Yes. This is just a, this is a cesspool social media. Now, when you're somebody like TikTok, 
I mean, the Chinese government runs them, but let's forget about that. When you run up against a problem, which is there are a bunch of people being bullied and a lot of they realized that the people being bullied were falling into certain categories, which were like if you had a uh, facial disfigurement. So if you had something wrong, you know, you look different, then you would probably be getting bullied a little more. If you were on the autism scale, if you had Down syndrome or if you were disabled or had some kind of facial birthmark or, you know, something about you was easy to make fun of you. I mean, so far you're describing grade school behavior. Yes. Well, which is welcome to social media. Yes. Yes. Social media where grade school behavior is acceptable well into your 20s. Yes. Now, TikTok realized that these were the people that were mainly being harassed. So do you know what their answer was to take care of the situation? Ban them. <laughs> yes. They buried. Was their, it? Yes. They buried those people's content. So, <laughs> so they wouldn't be harassed rather than going after the people that harassed them. It was way easier for TikTok just to go. No, no, we'll just, yeah, we'll just filter their content out. Yay for victim blaming. Uh-huh. And when Andrew covered this, I'm like, and he's I mean, like, this I'm, is, uh, he's like, I'm putting is, the link is, in. <laughs> this is grade school. This yes. is some, some, uh, you know, idiot vice principal level zero tolerance. You, you got slapped in the hall. So we're going to suspend you kind of bullshit. Yeah. This is exactly what it is. But this shows you how these social media companies run. And one, I just thought it was crazy enough. And that we had never heard of this, that uh, even though it was a, you know, a couple of years old getting there, that this is how TikTok does their business, which is, yeah, go after the people with disabilities, go after the people who have a facial disfigurement rather than going after the people that were dicks to them. Yeah, just just get rid of those people. So I'm, I'm going to talk out of my ass for just a moment. Wait, wait so what but, else is new? I, I, I meant I meant for the last two hours. Uh is could this be just a, a reflection of the aspect of Chinese society where there are too many people and therefore, yes, for, uh, in in general, it is a a cultural thing in China to not care particularly about other people and to only care about yourself and your immediate uh, circle, whatever that is. Yes. And this goes and, immediately down that line. I think we did have a story at one point that TikTok had a group of people that were looking for the most attractive people on the platform and promoting their content. So this does uh, the same thing. It's just, I mean, other, I mean, other, so other tone aspect. deaf. Yeah. But, but maybe a little bit refreshing that we've suddenly got a throwback to back when people didn't care about each other. I it, like maybe, it, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I, I'd be lying if I, I didn't, you know, it, I, I'll just say I was a bystander when, uh, you know, the, the, the overly fat kid was getting picked on or the the one with a, a lisp was uh, you know uh, haha you can't even talk or or the one who who came with the the wrong fashion clothes um i, I mean kids are are were mean to each other back in the day well and it uh, helped i mean this is how you grew up this is where you learn that is, how to stand up for yourself that now. is exactly it it is when when the worst thing that can possibly happen to you is you get called a bad name or maybe you get shoved down and get a skinned knee, that is the perfect place to learn and how to deal with people like that and how to develop a thick skin and how, how to learn to shrug off most of these, this idiocy. And, and, you know, when, 
When we protect people from having their feelings hurt, how are they going to react to real violence? They don't understand it. They, they, they've never learned. Yeah, they don't understand what it is. So, uh, I mean, who's really doing a disservice to who? You're making them unable to live in the society, which is the same thing with universal basic income. Let's give everybody money because that way the government will have to always provide for them. It's a perverted system. It really is. But, uh, I mean, there's always some more of this that we can bitch and moan about come, uh, well, today's Monday. So Friday, when we're back to do another episode of this award-winning podcast. Did you have anything else? I, you, you, no. <laughs> That's all you got. That's all you got. And uh, that's all I got. So until next time. How do you normally end these shows? Which one? One of these grumpy old Ben's? Yeah. I normally say from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac. I am Darren O'Neill. And from America's left coast, where getting hacked by an Israeli spyware company is how you know you've made it. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Oh, if we only had made it. (laughs) 